I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done, 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology, cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have two very special guests in my kitchen. Please welcome to the podcast, Brett and Eli from Ignite. What is What's up? up? Thanks for being here, you guys. Fantastic being yeah, here. That was in I, unison. I, 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 I wasn't about to try to pronounce your last name. I always know you, Brett from Ignite. Yep. Ra- Rasmussen. Just think of it Rasmussen. like Rasmussen. Anderson or Peterson. I, I got to get this down, dude, because this. I'm glad you asked because that's so... <laughs> It's a little late Rasmussen, in the relationship. Rasmussen, Ramason. Santana, that's your Santana, last name? Santana, yeah. That's a hard last name, bro. Yeah. That's amazing. It's bold. Um, okay, so when I have two guests on, obviously you're both in the same band, but I'd like to hear like some stories of your uh, of your life. Are you both born in California? I was, Brett was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. E- Eli was. No, I'll, I'll talk in third person. I can tell by yeah. your voices. Yeah. Okay, good. So, but you guys didn't know each other growing up or no? Not at all. I didn't meet Eli really till a few years ago when he started coming out, hanging out with us at Ignite shows. Wow. Okay. Yep. So you were like, you were a fan of Ignite. Yeah. Yeah. For Jesus, 22 years now. Wow. <laughs> That's which, crazy. Which is cool because it wasn't like somebody who didn't know anything about us or it was like a dude who was like into the band and he's yeah. into the songs, already knew the songs like just as a listener. I mean, of course, learning all the lyrics is a different whole thing, mm. but, yeah. but just knowing the songs, knowing the melodies, knowing the vibe, knowing the feel, seeing us play at shows, yeah. hanging backstage with us, it was just like, it and, felt really good. And so did you have auditions? Well, we did, but it was weird because Zoli leaves right at the end of 19 Yep. And then the whole world shuts down. Yeah. So we have some European guys going, oh, I want to sing. Or it's a couple East Coast guys. But how do you get people? Can't fly anywhere. All the rehearsal rooms are shut down. Can't get together and jam anywhere. So it was a, 
it was like kind of via email all how it started with dudes wow we'd send them a track of music from an instrumental from one of our albums and then they'd send it back and we'd listen to it but it's kind of hard to judge off of because you know everybody's got <laughs> pro tools or, totally. or logic and they can tweak stuff and so so it's about getting you know getting into a room 100 percent. so we got into a room with a few guys and it just didn't feel right at all like couple of the guys what, i mean it, were they hitting the notes and yeah stuff? it was cool but it just didn't feel like it was the right thing it was a little bit more rough and raw it wasn't yeah. like a clean voice which is a big it's serious shoes to fill like it the, is. the vocals his vocals are like very it, yeah and so i i was on the way home from one of the auditions and i called up our drummer craig and i go dude there's got to be a metal guy there's got to be a metal guy that can sing and hit notes that is out there that would be a good fit for us or would want to do it or whatever and he goes Craig's like, well, let me hit up my buddy Eli who plays guitar in Holy Grail and see if he knows anybody. And that's kind of how that started. Craig didn't even know he could sing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so you get the call. Well, uh, yeah, Craig texted me. Well, it's funny, like, when it, it got announced, uh, you know, Zoli quit, like, my good buddy Caldwell, he, like, texted me. He's like, dude, you should sing for Ignite. And we kind of, like, laughed about it. Yeah. And then, like, um, uh, I get a text from Craig and I'm super drunk. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's he got to do? Like, I'll do it. You know, I'll like liquid courage. And then the next day I, I get this like email with these like tracks and I'm like, oh shit. Like that was real. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't like, oh, like what? I was like excited to work on these like songs that I loved. It was just like fun to like record my voice on like the actual like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darkest Days like instrumentals. And I was Sick. like, dude, this is so much fun. And I was like you know, working on like my own project and I just like, oh, fuck it. This is way more fun. I'll, I'll work on this. <laughs> and then I kind of sent it off and just like didn't think, yeah, I just felt like it was a long shot. Yeah. You know? How long did you take to record this stuff? Did you like? I did like, um, it was like over over a couple days. Like okay. I, I did a couple versions and I just had fun like, you know, taking what was there and then, you know, adding like a little bit of my own thing to it. Yeah. But um like like you were saying with like you know you can fix a lot of shit in pro tools but totally i'm pretty dumb with that stuff so it was like <laughs> i had to actually sing this shit yeah 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 and so when we got in the room well actually from there they sent me two of the songs for the new record okay and it was like dark it was like i like it was already a departure from anything just musically they had done I was yeah like, okay, dude, I kind of have to be a part of this shit. Like, yeah. When he sent the, we sent him the song Bleeding, I think at Poverty for All, right? Yeah. Those two. And then that, those are the songs we had been sending out. Like, sing on these. These are two, one of, two of our most popular songs. Let's start with that. Yeah. And uh, when we got it back, we were like, oh, wow, this is awesome. We were super stoked on it. And he definitely put his own flair because there was some like, metal ronnie james dio vibrato <laughs> stuff and and he was kind of like a little metal like shrill in there and it was like because he was kind of like showing like this is who i am this is yeah. what i do and uh but the fact that it was like in that ballpark with the notes and the vibe and and then he was calling us and like super like anxious and not anxious but super excited yeah to do it and it was like so that was that weighed a lot into it yeah i mean you kill it man it's it's amazing man when i so, first heard the song i think i heard the song before i Maybe heard the song before I saw you or just anything of it, you know what I mean? Like, holy crap, man! Like, it's serious shoes because Zoli's voice is very, it's very particular. It's got yes. a very uh, certain kind of sound to it. You know I mean? it's, it's very distinct. distinct. Very distinct yeah, voice. man. And you, yeah, it's congrats. And man. we, oh, we, we didn't, we didn't want to just 
dude, we know like these are different human beings, different voices, different yeah. timbers, different, you know, you're not going to get a carbon copy. So it was like, and that's what we didn't want to do. We like, we didn't want to go like, okay, we're just going to try and replicate. It's yeah. like, we wanted to be excited about a new, like a new chapter and a new direction. And, um, and you can't just try and copy, you know? Yeah. So that was like, kind of like the, our whole mindset was like, no, it's his style, but it also has sounds like ignite, you know what I mean? But right. it's still him and it's, it's, it's flair, it's style, you know what yep. I mean? So you do all the songwriting? We we all collaborate. Okay. Yeah. We definitely do. Nick writes a ton. Kevin. Are they being weird to earphones? Yeah. I lost my headphone a little oh, bit. Oh, shoot. I'm, I'm all right. Is it in and out over there? Yeah. It just like cut out. It happened before. I mean, that oh, there it is. That was not plugged in all the way. Oh, it wasn't? Right there. Is that better? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it now? Oh, no, we're back. We're back. Okay. Just can't right. move it like that. All right. So we all collaborate on okay, the songwriting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nick, me, Kevin, like we like all, and dude, guitar player right here. Yeah, that's sick. Shredder. Yeah. Um, That was a cool thing too, because it was like, we started writing for the record and we're kind of, kind of jump around But here. how many songs did you have before he auditioned for the new record? 10 or 15. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. Okay, that's Maybe more, but we didn't want it. Like, it was like, hey, what do we do? Do we just give them all of them? And that's like a little bit like overwhelming or do oh, we just so overwhelming. Yeah. So we would, we'd give them like two or three at a time, the new ones. And okay. then he would be like, oh man, this one's amazing. Yeah. This next one's cool. So it was also nice. <laughs> I didn't realize I was that transparent. It, it was also <laughs> nice getting, getting that feedback. Cause yeah. it was like, it was the first person outside of us as four songwriters. We were getting feedback on the material. Yeah. So it was cool. So honest it, feedback, honest feedback of yeah. like, Hey, I'm going to sing on this. I think I can add to this. And, um, so it was cool hearing that feedback yeah. about which songs like popped to him. And it was, I, I think in general, as you know, as a songwriter that kind of the cream rises to the top of songs. Like you're like, okay, everybody knows these five songs are the, are the, you know, the best ones. Yeah. And, and then everybody has their own opinions on beyond that. But yeah, hundred percent, but yeah, writing the stuff, we tried to get as much. We also didn't know, uh, if we were going to get a singer, if he was going to be able to write songs, some people don't, mm -hmm. some people aren't songwriters. So we're yeah. like, we're going to get as much work done as we can. We're all stuck at home during the pandemic. There's nothing else to do, but either like work on your house or write, yeah. write music as you know. Totally. And so we just got into it. You know, you doing the podcast, a ton, I loved, I loved all the, like, it seemed like you even ramped it up more when it was like <laughs> yeah. during the, during the pandemic, but thank uh, you. No, but, um, yeah, so it was like we just said, let's write everything: vocals, lyrics, melodies. Not just wow. not just riffs, but complete songs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when we were turning in demos to him, they already had vocals on it. Nick was singing a ton of the vocals as okay. like kind of a like a blueprint, scratch track. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, he, he, he has yeah. a great voice. It was like one of those things. Like I was like, shit. If like they don't find anybody, like they have this. Oh and, wow! And which is really cool about this record is that we got Nick singing like all over the record. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just like a. Has he always done that? He sings a lot live, but he never really beyond like gangs. Yeah. Did we have a second voice on any of the records? Okay. Um, Zoli would just usually sing all the melodies and the harmonies and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But like for me, like when you hear it live and you hear Nick's voice live and it matches the the recording, it's yeah. even cooler. Yeah. You know, I think. I was thinking about say like how Zoli went and sang for Misfits and then he sang for Pennywise. So he he probably knows what it's like when some like replacing somebody as a singer, you know what I mean? All yeah. that just to, and trying out for stuff and it's interesting it's totally cool. yeah totally and um a good buddy of ours who sang in ignite on a tour john bunch he was telling us about when he was filling in with further seems forever okay when chris Craba i think wasn't in it and oh wow he, and then oh. he was in it but then 
uh, that's insane. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like so. Hearing that story, those stories from him too about jumping in because when he was singing on that Ignite tour in 2012, he was like, it wasn't the first time he had done it, and he was yeah. like, kind of relaying that whole experience to us how like how weird it can be for fans to go, oh, that's not the guy. I know, and it, and they can be pretty, but whatever. I believe people like you know want to root for you. Of course, of course. I think of I always course. root for bands as me long as too, it's man. as long as it's good. Yeah, I don't want too, it to man. be terrible. But I, I want all my friends to succeed and totally. have fun and, and do this for as long as they can do it for. Yep. So you're the original. I am. So Start, you've been in this band how many years? We started. Me and Joe Foster started working on this stuff in '92. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we were playing for a short time in this punk band called Mad Parade. That was I know Mad Parade. Yeah. Is that the original Mad Parade? So Billy Ledge is the original singer. Okay, I know Mad so, Parade. So. I met Joe. Joe tried out for my band, Joe Foster. Um, he was in the middle of traveling around the world, modeling, doing all this stuff. I remember that. He hits me up after he had jammed with my band, and uh, he goes, hey, I'm playing bass in this band called Mad Parade. And I had never heard of Mad Parade because that wasn't really my scene. And uh, he goes, why don't you play bass and I'll play second guitar? I go, okay. I didn't really know Joe <laughs> either, but he was just, <laughs> Joe's crazy. And like he's like, I want to play guitar in this band. I know you play bass, so... We started jamming with those guys for like a month, yeah. and I just thought that me and Joe would have more fun writing our own stuff. So we yeah. played with those guys for like a month, and then started writing songs towards Ignite with a just a drum machine. Wow! Yeah, was that your first band? No, I had done a high school band, and then I had a, done a band right after high school, which ended up having dudes in it that I didn't know at the time. But like our drummer Phil Hansen went on to be in Game Face, oh, wow, and then okay. he was replaced with Ron Welty, who was at that time in '91 in The Offspring. Oh damn! And they had just put out their Nemesis record and crazy, man. yeah. And but it was just Ron from down the street. They're like, yeah. you know, we were jamming together. And uh, what was that band called? It was called The Jaded. Okay, yeah. And it was kind of like a social D meet psychedelic furs kind of more, a little Ooh, bit I more like because like, our singer had kind of a raspy voice. Yeah, he was in this old Christian punk band called The Lifesavers. Okay, and uh, we were around for a few years, and then right at the end when we were looking for a guitar player, our singer was friends with Joe Foster, and he came and tried out, and it didn't work out, and then. I kind of thought, to be honest, I was done with music then. I was like 2021. 20, really? I was, going, I was going to school. I was doing construction. I was kind of doing normal stuff, and music was just fun. And I had no expectations of continue, continuing on in music. I just wanted to go to like law school, do something. I was going to ask you, what was your major in college? I was in pre. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna go to pre law. Um, get in pre law. Hopefully. Go do that whole path, that wow. whole route. That's what I wanted to do. It seemed yeah. fun, ex- not super exciting. I had way more fun doing music. Yeah, but it was just a hobby. It wasn't like a career thing for no. you. No, and I think that's one of the reasons why for me it, it was easy to kind of, I don't know, for this to happen because I would just always let this stuff naturally happen. It didn't feel like I was forced and trying. That's the best way. Trying to be a musician and yeah. like, and I was just playing and having fun. That was the biggest thing. Like with Foster and me, it was like we were just having a lot of fun. Yeah, doing it and starting out and then doing demos and then we got Joe Nelson in the mix to sing on these drum machine demos and then the band just kind of evolved from there. That's amazing. Yeah, in 92, like 92, early 93. What about you, Eli? What other bands were you in? What was your first band you were in growing up? Uh, my first band was a band called uh, Against the Grain and then we heard there Against was... Against the a- Grain after Bad Religion album? Yeah, sick. But like, uh, and then we heard that name was taken and then we became Global Scar and it was kind of like this hardcore metal like mix um yeah yeah, we were like 15 in san diego and we thought we were biohazard meets sepultura nice right (laughs) nice so we we would talk about growing up on the streets of uh you know suburb (laughs) of san diego (laughs) 
That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so you so you, you liked like New York hardcore and stuff like that back then? Yeah, like Sick. specifically there was like that that era of like early nineties, like specifically New York hardcore. We talked about Life of Agony before it's yeah. biohazard, yeah. Yeah, and actually that was like um kind of what started me trying to um we because we, I just played guitar and then I couldn't like we couldn't find a singer that was just cool. Like they, they all thought they were like Jim Morrison. I'm like, I didn't write any lyrics cause it didn't come to me. The spirit. I'm like, fucking shut up. <laughs> and so we, we actually just told the dude, we we're like, we did, we we're supposed to pick him up before like our first show. And then we were just like, dude, why don't you just sing? You wrote all the lyrics. I'm like, okay. And like, you know, threw up and then try to battle the bands for the first time to play and sing. How old were you? Wow. 15. That's awesome. It's amazing, yeah. man. And then I was like, okay, I, I want to take this serious. So I would try to get home after football practice before my parents got home. And I would tr- actually try to sing like Life of Agony songs and like, wow. uh, yeah. And it was, yeah, good thing there's no recordings of, of that <laughs> back then. <laughs> so you played football? Yeah. yeah. Were, you, were you good in school too? No, I was, yeah. Just sports you loved? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, my, my dad was like a coach. So he was okay. like, that was his thing. And then I kind of got into music and then i was like you know and then i i didn't really get any taller so i'm like i don't think i'm gonna play in the nfl so (laughs) let's be let's be honest about this um yeah but i just yeah i got obsessed with music yeah and then um i didn't try to go play college ball or anything like that what did you want to do when you graduated um so the the idea was to go like you know return kickoffs at uh university of washington and study classical guitar but wow um, yeah, that so I just stayed in town and kind of went to a community college and like studied music there, and then I ended up going to uh, Cal State Northridge and did this um, like business music program. It was like half business and then half like music, and then studied classical guitar there. Um, and then it was just funny. It was like a it was just like 2004 era. Yeah. So like the whole music industry was changing. So everything oh, we were right. learning was like like becoming obsolete like yeah. at that time like yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i i played um yeah back to your original questions <laughs> um yeah i played in, in like that band and then like kind of started um another band called shrike that w- that i was like singing for and, and playing guitar and it was kind of i don't know like fear factory type Dang, okay stuff. So you're more you're more like a metal kid yeah okay. yeah i mean it was all i was always trying to bring like the energy of hardcore yeah into it like and then later when i joined holy grail it was something that i'd always tried to bring that element of hardcore into it like yeah yeah like even like our second record like i wrote a lot of the lyrics like i wanted it to read like a hardcore record yeah you know lyrically and stuff like that and so it was just like always kind of pushing me in that direction actually yeah. i think the first hardcore show i ever saw was ignite and death by stereo oh wow um like it's awesome the, yeah at the showcase theater in uh corona, corona. Uh, yeah six fun, five, fun shows yeah. There. it was yeah, like man. packed i'd never seen anything like that just like the energy it like yeah just the way i remember it it just seemed like kids were just falling off the walls the entire like show and it was just everybody singing along and i was like dude i want in yeah. <laughs> totally. That was a sick spot too, man. It was. Incredible shows. Kids would be climbing through like that duct on the ceiling, sneaking in like this little like 18 inch by 18 inch hole yeah. in the roof on the packed shows. It was just like a million degrees in there. Yeah. No waters for sale. No 200 water. or, or waters <laughs> for like eight bucks. Um, what was your first exposure to music, Brett? Like punk rock and stuff like that? 
pre-punk rock was I grew up like m- listening to my parents' vinyl collection. Nice. That got me into listening to music like Beatles, Stones, like the cl- my dad. My dad had a rad uh, uh, vinyl collection. You know, Band on the Run, Eagles, Steely Dan, like cool nice. stuff. So. I mean, when you're listening to that, you're listening to the best songs ever written, right? Of course. And like you're listening to the Beatles and like all this stuff. So, um, and my dad really connected to music as far as being a listener and being a fan. Even to this day, he'll call me up. He's like, have you heard of that band Nine Inch Nails? (laughs) (laughs) I just saw this thing on YouTube. This live show, he loves watching live shows on YouTube. So, he, so he's awesome. like, it sounds so good. He's like, it's crazy with all these lights and stuff. So my dad loves like rock. Cool. So that's kind of what connected me to rock because we would listen to, dude, like like a Steely Dan and like really fun stuff. Um, it's awesome. But then like in high school, I got way more into, I wasn't into like the punk or hardcore scene in high school. I got really heavy into the UK stuff. Joy Division, Cure. Nice. Like all that stuff is where I kind of cut my teeth, like listening and learning how to play bass to like Peter Hook's like bass lines in Joy Division. Awesome. And uh, that was kind of the stuff I was into. And you know, when you're in high school, you're kind of in, you, you kind of really limit what you listen to kind of like, yeah. I got like four bands I listen to. It's like Cure, Joy Division, Echo <laughs> and the Bunnymen and the Chameleons. And that's it. That's Everything it. <laughs> else is terrible. You know yeah. what I mean? And then like the first exposure I had to hardcore was a punk rock kid. There was a small group of punkers at the school gave our guitar player from my high school band a tape with minor threat on it and discharge sick and we would listen to it in his convertible bug driving around and i was like this band's amazing minor threat and it was like you could tell these guys could play yeah and it was really good now discharge was then kind of the like flip side of that coin where it was just like oh no that's my name and i was you know but the minor threat stuff like had a lot of appeal to me but it yeah. wasn't really what i was into but i totally could appreciate it and like fell in love with like those songs yeah and uh, that was probably my first taste of hardcore but i didn't really go to shows i wasn't inv- i didn't understand there was a big underground movement with small labels small booking agents venues you could play you could get in a van and tour i thought i mean you had to be playing at the forum with duran duran signed to sony records yeah <laughs> i didn't understand there was a whole underground yeah. you know even going to like record stores and stuff you could see smaller labels but it just i just didn't understand how that worked that yeah. like I could start a band, get signed. They could give me a few thousand bucks to go record some songs and be stoked if you sold 5,000 copies and made their money back. I didn't know that existed like in my, yeah. in my teenage years. Yeah. So yeah. And then what was your I, first show? Do you remember the first concert I ever went to was Genesis at Dodger stadium. Wow. To wow. Yeah. And that's I, incredible. And then like, Duran Duran at the forum like just Jeez, big stuff big shit. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. that you could go and then I'd start going to record stores and seeing flyers about smaller venues and mm. like oh Drama Rama's playing like the country club oh that's cool like you know I went and saw PIL and Sugar Cubes and I, I started getting into like Dude. stuff like that Dude. you know but then um yeah I, I really the hardcore punk rock thing wasn't really on my radar outside of the Ramones and the Pistols yeah. You know, because I had access to them. You know, they were on major labels and like it was in your face. You could see that stuff anywhere. But I I remember seeing like a Youth of Today cover, but never having the like the wherewithal to pay 10 bucks to like find out what it is. Because there was no wow. way to, there's no way to listen to stuff. You yeah. know, back then you couldn't stream stuff. So you kind of had to take risks at the record store if you were going to buy something new. So just by the cover, probably the you, art. The really? Art was yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so or crazy. if it's or if it's in a, a bin with a genre like, you know, like what whatever punk or thrash or whatever yeah. but that wasn't my that wasn't really my bag back then and it wasn't until really i met joe foster that i really started getting like 
aware of like the hardcore scene. And that was like early twenties. That was like twenty one. Okay. Like in like ninety one, ninety two for me. Taking you to the shows and stuff. And yeah, we started going to see like the yeah. I and, and more punk stuff because we saw like one of the first shows that me and him went to before we started Ignite was Offspring and Voodoo and Guttermouth at nice. the small club in Fullerton. And I was like twenty one then twenty. And I was like, wow. And just like Eli, you know, when he saw the showcase theater show, I just I couldn't believe how crazy the kids were going yeah to like gutter mouth and offspring and voodoo Mm -hmm. and stuff and it was so it was like wow this is a lot of fun and also you could see yourself at that point dude i'm no longer now competing with duran duran and genesis yeah this is more attainable you know watching the offspring or watching gutter mouth play i was like oh i think we could do that like it wasn't like some crazy like 10 piece backup band mm-hmm. with singers and I got to be the best <laughs> songwriter in the world. Yeah. It was like get up there and have fun and energy, you know? So that was kind of my like segue from my like cure joy divisiony kind of the, you know, experience into like the more punk rock stuff was through off of Joe Foster. Yeah. And it's so cool. I get to see the bands walking around after they play by the merch and stuff like that. It's just, it's so different. Man, it punk was rock, wild. Man. That was the first band I ever saw. That was the dead milkman. And the guitar player was sitting <laughs> on the front man. of the stage after the show. It was at Club Post Nuclear in Laguna Beach, venue that's long gone. And uh, I was sitting around the club after, and the guitar player was sitting on the front of the stage. And I was like, well, I wonder what he's doing up there. He must know somebody <laughs> that he's talking to. So we kind of, me and my buddy kind of like meandered up there. And he was just talking to people. And I thought it was wild. I didn't get it. I didn't mm. get that you could just connect with people. It just seemed like they went and got in their limo and left exactly. you know, after the show. But such a different world, man. It was such an appeal to have that kind of connection with the fans. Yeah. Which I, to this day, love. Me too, man. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, Descendants in, uh, when I was a kid, and then Milo coming out to the merch booth after, and it was like one of my favorite bands. This going to say, hey, great show, and shake his hand. Just that moment like that is just, it's amazing. But you feel like you're just equal. You just, you know? And sometimes I forget that the kid on the other side of that was me and how important that is to these people. So it's, you know, I always try, yeah. I always try and like, spend that time with those people if you can because you know how important it is and if, they're, if they come up to you after a show that it because it's because they want to 100 percent. you know man. what i mean it's, and it's a big deal yeah yeah i never yeah luckily about my experiences meeting people after the show has always been good nobody was a jerk nobody was like too cool or totally that's the thing that's the special thing about the scene we come from you know it's such a community you know it's amazing dude what we get to do we're so lucky i know man. i mean there's such a small amount of people that get a tour around the world and write songs and connect with people and like none of us have like millions of records sold or hits on the radio or empty like we had none none of us had really any of that so any of that and we can still do it and people yep. care and have like a a career still like yeah and change 20 pe- years in. yeah and people come up and say you changed my life it's like insane, it's man. it's heavy to it like is. when people drop that on you because you forget we're at home i gotta go to the store i gotta feed the dog i gotta pay bills and i'm just like a normal dude a normal then, dude in society but yeah. then you go on tour and it's like and then you know yeah you know, at these festivals, we're lucky enough to play. There's a big line of people like waiting for signatures, which still blows me away. It's crazy. <laughs> and then they tell you, you, when somebody tells you you're their favorite band, I know what my favorite bands were growing up and they were untouchables. Mm. And when somebody says that to you, it's like, it's, 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 it's heavy. I know. It's cool. Man. It's cool. It's crazy how far like hardcore and punk has is, is come. Yep. You know what I mean? Like in generations and generations, people still finding out about your band now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's beautiful, man. It is. And um, dude, we're just lucky. We played the show Pennywise two weeks ago, and there was hardcore kids there, but there was a barricade. It was a different vibe at that venue, Garden Grove. Yep. And mm-hmm. I said, how many people have never seen this for the first time? And like almost the whole crowd raised their hand. I'm like, 
we've been in a band 26 years and wow. almost all these people never even heard of us before. Right. And that's, I think that's amazing, man. And it's cool because you can still, you don't feel like an old band. You feel like, like a they, new band. They think you're a new band. All these songs are brand new to them. Yeah. Yeah. 26 year old songs. Yeah. You yeah. see somebody after and they go, do you guys have any albums out? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, a couple. A, a, like maybe like five or ten years ago, my wife was selling a seven inch, and some kid came up and asked my wife, if "It was a mouse pad." This generations that don't really know the vinyl and stuff like that. They, they oh, got shit. the vinyls yeah. coming coming back. Yeah, they, they now got, it's coming back. They yeah. got it's come back. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Eli? What was your first exposure to like punk? Did you guys both skateboard growing up too? It's not a question. I didn't know. Okay. I played basketball and golf. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I grew up like skateboarding here and there. Surfing and- too, or no. Uh, here in yeah, yeah. here in the, I, I was like bodyboarding and yeah, yeah. More, more bodyboarding. Um, but I I was skating until like I don't know eighth or ninth grade, and I I fell off and I, I hurt my elbow. Okay, and I was playing football and I couldn't throw the football, and I tried mm. to I tried to blame it on something else, and my dad figured it out, and he was just like, "You can't skateboard anymore because wow. you know." Yeah. So sports was really your dad was really about the sports. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he he grew up on like classic rock, so he got me into like you know grand funk railroad and like war and you know i grew up on like that stuff um yeah but like it's it's funny i didn't really get into to punk rock like like i know a lot of people like kind of start there but for me i got into punk through hardcore nice like it was through metal and then i was just like really into hardcore and i didn't even realize that hardcore kind of came from punk so i did this totally like just ass backwards you know <laughs> cool, uh and then i was just like as you went along like you started picking up bands you're like oh it's fucking really cool and it's like you know through kind of being a danzig fan got into the misfits and then that's crazy yeah. man and yeah it awesome. was just totally like and it's it's cool because it's like even now i'm discovering like you know a bunch of bands that people like you know are in love with for years they're like new to me and so i get to like um to experience that it's just yeah. awesome and just like you know, even in just like how like rough some of the stuff is, just like God, they're really good fucking songwriters. Yeah, you know, whether they knew it or not, you know. Yeah, and a lot of those records so timeless. They sound like so good still. Like the recordings, mm-hmm. they weren't overproduced. They were just like three or four days in the studio, just smash it out. Yeah, like all the minor threat stuff just sounds still so perfect, man. Fresh doesn't it's sound. Crazy. It doesn't sound old. It doesn't. No, that's yeah. And you have bands trying to like recreate that. You know what they how they and they were just doing their best, but now yeah. they're like, oh, we're doing With this what vintage. They had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not even a distortion amp, just an amp turned up loud that yeah. sounded distorted. Because did, yeah, they didn't even have like the time or the money to make it sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you when you get out of high school, Brett, what are you doing? What are you working? Yeah, doing construction on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and going to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then having the weekends and that and doing band practice at night with my first band out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun. And we were just trying to play like college campuses, high school yeah. lunches. I didn't. High school I, lunches. It was cool. We would play like uh, Villa Park High School, Orange High School at lunches and kids. It was. What? It, yeah. It was a cool way yeah. to get kids to come and buy your demo and turned on to the band. While they're eating lunch at a school you're playing. Yeah. I never heard of that. It's freaking amazing. Yeah, the weird little amphitheaters they have like near the lunch, like because we always ate outside. Yeah, like East Coast guys, you guys probably all ate inside. Totally. And uh, so yeah, there'd be <laughs> the winter. It's in true. the cold. Yeah. And so yeah, we would try and play colleges and high That's schools crazy. with this band. And again, I didn't have any concept of how to do it, so we just kind of made it up as we went. We recorded. The only way we recorded a demo was I had a like Eli. I had a uh, engineer or a recording class in college. Yeah. That we went and did our demos at in this, you know, 
big soundboard and everything. It was cool. And so we had decent demos, and then we just would sell those tapes at these shows. And we would get on a couple shows here and there. We played like before the Viper Room was the Viper Room. It was called the Central. We used to play. Okay. We used to play there on. Uh, there would be a jam night on Wednesdays, so you could get your band on, and it would be packed. Kind of those kind of like nights at the Viper Room where it's just the built-in crowd before it was the Viper Room. Yeah. Um, and we would just try and get on. A lot of the venues we play are closed, like Coconut Teas or Bogarts in Long Beach. Coconut Teas was classic. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, and we just try. But how do you really become like popular when you don't know really that how to connect to a scene? Or it's pre-internet too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was really no way to push your band other than like make demos, sell them at uh, Rhino Records. Hey Rhino, yeah, yeah, and uh, Bionic Records. You just try and sell your demos in there. But that band, we never really could get going. Like really how we kind of envisioned it and it kind of just fizzled out yeah what about you eli what'd you do when you graduated what were you doing uh yeah i was trying to get like my I, yeah i was all in with music that's trying it. to. that's trying all you to, wanted to do yeah and so i was like kind of going to college just so my mom wouldn't feel like a failure with me <laughs> were your parents bummed you weren't going to go the football uh, route my my dad was because i strict about it like pressure and uh he he was and then he kind of like realizes like oh okay he's kind of he's kind of good at guitar like maybe there's a thing with this and so nice. he kind of he kind of came, came along. around yeah i i tried to quit my senior year and he he was wasn't having it yeah it was like you know it was like how's your son he's like i have no son oh. you know <laughs> ouch <laughs> yeah Shit. um but uh because <laughs> most parents like yeah good luck with the music stuff you know it's never yeah. gonna pan out you know no totally and so like yeah they, they were kind of like oh he, he mainly just because i wasn't gonna give up and so they're yeah. like you might as well like kind of have his back on it so um like yeah i went up for here to moved up to la for school and then that band fell apart tried to start another band um that was like <laughs> we called it we were like we'll make up our own genre we'll be space core you know so <laughs> it was like hardcore with a bunch of weird effects In- innovators and, uh, well it was innovators. funny you tell people that they'd be like, "What kind of music is it?" And I'm like, "It's space core." And they'd be like, "I love space core." And I'm like, "No, you fucking don't. I just, we just made created it." it. Yeah. Right, right. Space core. That's crazy. Yeah. So you were determined to do something in music. You were like, you weren't giving up. Right. And and it's funny, like, um, kind of what Brett was saying. I ended up working at Capitol Records, um, in in tour marketing. Wow. And I'd see these bands that get signed and just get shelved. Totally. Like, and it was just like basically like, here's your debt. We're not gonna put your record out. Yeah, but you can't put it out either. It's the worst, man. You're like trapped. Trapped. Yeah. It happens to so many bands, man. Yeah. And so f- from there, I was just like, okay, fuck going on a major label. Like it was really like shooting for like, like basically the indie route, and that was like my first time wanting to, or even knowing it was possible. Like you were saying. Yeah. Um, where it was like all the bands I listen to are like on indie labels anyway. So, yep. um, yeah, I kind of went that route, and then. I kind of tried to start my own band that I've been still trying to get that record out. I'm closer than ever now. Still right now? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's one of those things like, it's almost like it attracts good things to me because I'm like, I'm almost done with this record and then something would fall into my lap. I ended up joining Holy Grail Yep. Um, and then, you know, doing that for 13 years and touring and, and you know, putting out records and then that singer quit um which actually we haven't announced that we told the dude to announce it it's announced yeah well there you go uh well we were waiting he's like i'm gonna write something up and i'm like okay and then he you know 
he never did it. Wow. Um, so I was like, all right, here's my chance to, to finish my record. And then, you know, I start, I start singing for Ignite. And so it's crazy, man. Yeah. You got your own Chinese democracy. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> Eli's Chinese democracy. Dude, I think, <laughs> I think I actually have like, um, you know, you named the albums in your iTunes. Yeah. I think I had like some of it was North Korean democracy. Yeah. For that reason, because it was taking me forever. Clever. Yeah. What about, no, the acting, what about acting stuff? Dude, uh, that was a thing. Like I um, had a couple bands, hiatus. Um, I'm gonna make a couple like like extra money, dude. And and so I was like, I'm gonna go do background. And I have I was, a list of some of your things, and some of the things I love. And I saw, I was like, holy! Sh First of all, the new Pam and Tommy. Oh yeah, yeah. That th I love that show. Did, did you see him on it? No, but now that I found that it's him, now I, I remember because I'm I'm gonna go back and watch it. But like, yeah, dude, Westworld Studio 66, that new Foo Fighters movie. Yeah, um, yeah. You list, uh, what's it called? This is Coyote. Yeah. Shameless, one of my favorite shows. You're the construction yeah. worker. Yeah. <laughs> Grace and Frankie, my wife's favorite show. Yeah, dude. Tropic yeah. Thunder. Yeah. Wow, it's fucking crazy, man. Like, I don't even know that. It's it's so nuts. Yeah. Like, Are people talking about that? That he's an actor, too? A little bit. Yeah, we've been getting hit up a little bit. It was a series. Like, those are great. Yeah. I was I, background work, but I, I get excited because I like those shows. No, it's, it's, um, it's actually been like, well, because it, it was a thing where, like, I was up here and I did a couple of background things and I ended up being like in Tropic Thunder and fucking don't mess with the, the Zohan. And You're I'm, not credited in tr Tropic Thunder, correct? Uncredited? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what? You're still like, in there. I said it. It's on the air. You're on there. No, no. Okay. Now it's official. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like the Holy Grail singer quitting. Now it's official. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and then so I, I ended up, it wasn't until I did Westworld and I got a recurring. Yeah, like, no, it's sick. Yeah. And I met Anthony Hopkins. Like I worked wow. with him. And like we we're saying about like, you know, bands you like and they come and hang out with you and they're cool. He came up to me like in between shots and was like joking with me like because I, you know, I had to be like this weird, weird industry. I was frozen okay. so I couldn't move. Okay. And there was something crawling on my hand that I wasn't looking. And then they yelled cut and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And I'm like, and now I can't find it. I don't like, was it a, you know, Black Widow? Was it a Scorpion? Wow. And then, so Anthony Hopkins, he's like, oh, I saw it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, it's this big tarantula. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm messing with you. And then he's like, sits down next to me and starts telling me like, he had arachnophobia. And then on Jeez. Zorro, there was a spider wrangler who got him over the fear. And then it was just like, dude, you're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. We meet people, right? And then it's like, yeah. And that dude, wow. like, I think hadn't read the script, showed up, looked at it, and through that shot was, like, completely off book, and then doing his genius shit course, that he does. And I was like, dude, that this seems like a fun craft to, like, get into. And so I started messing with that and then doing, like, auditions and, yeah, you man. know, um, stuff like that. And then now I'm, like, going to be, like, I'm Are you done doing that or no? Yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still like messing with, just because it's like one of those things like I can do until I die. Yeah, man. You know, and, and so um, I'm actually doing a, a play um, where I'm like the lead. Well, the girl's the lead, but I'm the male lead. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's this play called Ramona out in Hemet, and it's like the longest running outdoor play in America. Oh, awesome. It's like next year will be the 100th year. Wow. And uh, it's it's California's official outdoor play. Okay. You know, because we all knew that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it's a trip, dude. It's like on the side of a mountain since like the same mountain since like 1923. Oh, we, wow. Like there's horses and like just all the shit. And so like that's like just a whole like 
weird part of like because to me like it's with music it's all kind of connected creative totally type of shit so it's like um it's just this other cool thing that yeah um you know that pays <laughs> my friend jim rota worked on that uh 666 movie good that's, friend of mine that's my buddy he um produced the last huntress record that i was on jim rota yeah what yeah dude fireball ministry <laughs> yeah yeah man. holy shit shout out to you rota wow that's amazing yeah. oh, no, good he's friend of my family sweetest man. dude yeah he, he actually pulled me into studio 666 gotcha. and okay. then it was like a thing where like that casting director knew me I think I had auditioned for like Mayans or something. She's Mayans, like, oh, I know, oh shit, nice. I know that dude. He's cool. And then it, it like, that was like the raddest shoot wow, to man. be on. Cause I, got I heard the, that movie's great. I want to see it. Dude, dude, it's fun. Okay. I like it. Yeah. So um, Jim Rota, that's crazy, man. It's a small world, man. Yeah, for sure, man. But, but Shameless was a great show. I love that show, man. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it was one day at work. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you, have you seen Pam and Tommy? I've just seen some of the parts of it. I haven't it's seen the so whole thing. So good, man. Is it really? It's really fun. It's just mm-hmm. super fun, man. Yeah. The actors are incredible. Yeah. They're killing those roles, man. It's, yeah. It's amazing, man. Once I heard he was in it, I was like, I peeped it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. I actually got I got that part right as we were leaving like one of the last mixing sessions on this record. Okay. Um, wow. So yeah, it was That's awesome. Yeah, man. it was a trip, man. And you, and you play piano, bass, drums, steel drums, everything? Yeah, I started. You play I, all instruments? I guess. Oh, oh, I'm playing. That's what it says on the internet. Yeah, about yeah. You. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's because I put it there. No. <laughs> well, you play piano too and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, enough to like, you know, record stuff and then go fix it. and yeah. Enough, yeah. enough yeah. to compose and record and like write, yeah. write a thing. That's it. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's amazing. So all self-taught or no? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I it's. Like taking piano in school, okay, yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. like when you learn Spanish in school. You're like, I mean, I get, I get it, but you know, yeah. So a lot of it was just messing around. But I am playing Native American flute in this play, so oh, I gotta wow. I gotta add that to the thing. Yeah, you do. yeah. It's not it's not on the list right now. <laughs> you have to add to your resume. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so Brett, let's get to ignite. Yep. So, 1993, right? You're yep. saying. Yep. And um. Did you guys, how'd you guys all know each other? How'd you guys come together? Just met Joe through my old singer from my, okay. uh, my other band. Yeah. And Shout out to Joe Nelson, by the way, man. Yep. Trust Records. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So me and Foster, we were just writing songs at, with a drum machine, me, him and a drum machine working on, I had a little like boss, Dr. Rhythm drum machine. We could write I had a little four track recorder and we would record these songs and then we'd get Joe Nelson to sing on them. It's crazy. And we didn't have a drummer for a little bit. And then we were working with uh, also Gavin Oglesby from No For An Answer. He started playing guitar with us. So we were kind oh, of. Gavin. Okay, yeah, yeah, kind of a great artist, fantastic artist. Yeah. Um, and we were just kind of having fun. And that was the thing. It wasn't, again, in no expectations. And we, it was kind of funny because we would go out after we would work on music was almost part of the reason why the band kept going. So I don't know. Do you know Brad X from Cottonmouth Kings? He used to be in Doggy Style. I know um, the name uh, came up in the podcast. So times. he was from this old punk band, Doggy Style. I love Doggy Style. And uh, he, in the early 90s, he had this uh, promotion company called Artist Groove Network, and they did all the biggest nightclubs in L.A., from the Roxbury to Society Club, Trips, uh, Variety Arts Center, Roxbury, South Orange County. So we would go out to his clubs after these like writing jam sessions and it was almost as much fun 
knowing that we're going to get together jam for a little while and then we're going to go out to one, yeah, one, one cool. of Brad X's clubs. So that was, it ended up being kind of funny because we were just like, that was kind of, okay, we're going to write for a while and then we're going to go out. We're, and that kind of turned into like a, this repetitious thing where we were getting together like three, four nights a week working on music and then going out to one of Brad X's clubs. Awesome. And it just turned into fun. And then when Casey joined the band on drums, he was in No For An Answer too and Justice League. Then, Justice League, wow. Yeah, and then we just had this cool group of guys. It was really fun that we would go out and hang out as much after as we would together working on music. Super important though. Yeah. And you just had this camaraderie. You just had this like team of guys that would like just go have fun together. And yeah. we didn't really have any aspirations or expectations that we were going to do anything. And, Crazy. And mm -hmm. then we just got really lucky. Gavin went to Europe in 93 with no for an answer yep and he ran into the lost and found records guy i just i can't believe it that, that scarred for life was on lost and found yeah See, i had no idea until i looked at this crazy our first three releases were on um european releases were on lost and found oh wow and when gavin went to europe in 93 with no for an answer yeah he ran into the lost and found guy and uh he said any new bands in orange county and he goes well i'm playing with these guys the guy from unity and Casey from No For An Answer, he goes, send me a demo. And that's really how the band that's started. Because we were playing in front of like 20 people on weeknights in crappy clubs and not really getting on any like good shows or anything. Yeah. Um, even with like the, oh, it's the dudes from these bands. It didn't really carry a ton of weight at the time until like Lost and Found wanted. And then they, they basically said, oh, we love this demo tape, which was actually our seven inch that we were just putting out. And uh, they said, we'll bring you on tour. In 94 with Slapshot, and we'll put a CD out. <laughs> what? And we're going from playing zero, like, on Tuesday nights at, That's a, crazy. at a crappy bar to getting a tour offer to go to Europe. Two months with Slapshot, and we'll put your record out. Two-month tour? Wow. Yeah. Like, the first tour we went on was, like, August and September of 94. Like, 56 shows in 50, Jeez, 58 days. They always days. do that, man? Like, six or eight-week tours? Dude, and insane, you just play every bro. day, and you'd be on some crappy beat-the-street bus. <laughs> yeah. With, which are now amazing buses which are now, now the top of the line it's crazy yeah that whole thing evolved and squats and the worst but i was telling hoya the other day that the first show i ever played in europe was the holtzfred festival with oasis blur motorhead pennywise refused no fun at all and back then what? yeah what? that was our first show That's real? that was our first show. oasis and blur together yeah 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 wow yeah, yeah. so i'm um, at the show and midnight oil's playing at the midnight main, oil at the main stage like <laughs> ac the across fuck? the way and i'm like how did i get here so surreal man because it was like in december 93 we played our first kind of real show with like course of disapproval and far side and it was fun it was packed and i was like oh this could be cool but dude eight months later I'm on a tour bus with Slapshot. This, they were huge at the time, and we're playing this. You festival. guys got along. It was good vibes. Yeah, it was, it cool. was funny. Cool. It was it was a little like butting heads, but it was like all in like good sport. Totally. Yeah, but those guys were cool, and so just that transition from playing to nobody to literally playing a festival on the side stage. Of course, you know we're on the side still, stage. It's still amazing. Yeah, man. of course. And then in, when we went to play, you know, people just migrate around. Every stage is packed, and we our first show packed like probably 4,000 people in a tent stage. Jesus. And I was just like, I could do this. Yeah. That was like the first time where I was like, it was like maybe there was the chance of doing it for like kind of for real. Yeah. Or not for real. I never really thought about that time. Like, oh, I'm going to make a living or anything off it. It was just like, oh, this could be maybe more than one European tour. Yeah. And so we just kind of ran with all those opportunities. And so the second one was uh, Family. That was 1985. Yeah. Well, in my time, actually, was an EP. Oh, the EP, that's right. That yeah. we recorded. Dude, and that's funny. So we do that tour in 94. We end the tour in like near Hanover. And the guy from Lost and Found goes, 
hey, do you guys have any songs? And we go, yeah, we got like four new songs. He's like, why don't we get you in the studio the next day? Next day after tour in what? Germany. After two months tour? Yeah. Because we were, we actually, we stayed three months total because we thought, I thought this was going to be my one time to go to Europe. Yeah, I didn't, you want to check it out. Yeah. yeah. So we were going to stay a month after and go vacation. A whole month after? A full month after. Oh my God. So two months of touring. We got 90 day tickets. That's insane. And uh, so then the day after tour, we went into the studio in Bremen, I think it was. And Bremen. We, and we recorded... Uh, the whole in my time EP in 23 hours. <laughs> one Christ. session. One session. That is fucking amazing, yeah. man. You and guys we, must have been so tight too from touring. Yeah, it's, you know, two yeah. months of touring and That's... we so it was fun. And then we like left and they mixed it and put it out. And that was so that was like Damn, wait, Lost we, and Found was on point back then. Dude, Lost and Found was like holy shit. I think, a big label. I think then. the biggest reason why we got exposure and grew because I mean they didn't really pay their bands anything you know they're known for not you know ripping bands off and stuff but dude every magazine every everything was like lost and found ads everywhere we like at the airport you'd open up a magazine again first time in europe and see a big spread of us in like rock hard magazine and i was just like what like I couldn't, we couldn't do anything in America at that time. And we go to Europe and it's just, well, you know, you know what Europe's like. It's insane. It's a it's, different world, it's man. It's a different world for bands like us. Me, us, Madball, you know, you guys, like, it's just. I want to thank all you guys too because you guys went so much way before H2O started going. We really focused on America. Yep. And then we started going later on. You guys had already did the, like the real hard work there and paved the way. So, yeah. Bands the, like you guys, Madball, Sick of It All. Dude, GB was going there GB. in like 91. Yeah. I went there as a roadie with Sick of It All, but not as my own band. Right. For sure. Right. Early in the 90s. So you saw all that. Like, yeah. Mark Amity driving our van. Yeah. It's crazy, man. That's awesome. So, so Lost and Found really like put you guys on that. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we had that. We got awesome, that European man. following, you know. People complain about them and stuff, and yeah, they were shady, but you're never... All we, labels are shady, man. We weren't going to get like the push, like remember We Bite and we Bite, Vic- yeah. Victory Europe, and so we weren't going to get that kind of push that Lost and Found like pushed yeah. us. And uh, So how's it when you get back to America? Is it is it catching... Like, a little better. A little better. People are knowing the songs. You, you're still... Our stuff's still only an import. We don't have a domestic label at that point. So people are buying the Lost and Found import of in my time and scarred for life wow. yeah so then we were like we need to get signed we need to get signed we need to, <laughs> we need to have a buddy put out our stuff so that's when we <laughs> we uh, uh worked with dennis at conversion records and he put out call on my brothers which was kind of a collaboration of all of our uh the first two european uh releases yeah we, we re-recorded all that and then put it out and that was our first domestic uh release one of my in my top five uh, names of H two O, one of the names is gonna be Scarred for Life. Mm. I was gonna choose one of the, that wasn't one of my names to name my band for oh, the band. Yes, <laughs> ours was. Yeah. We were gonna be Ignite or Fuse, and then we heard like Eli's. You hear that like somebody else is using the name, but there's no. It was wait. Eli's band. I'm just kidding. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, Space Corps. <laughs> yeah, it was a Space Corps, man. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it was gonna be Fuse or Ignite, or, or actually Shade was an option too. But like Ignite, this is all one words. Yeah, yeah. So we. Who came up with Ignite? Was that you? Joe came up with that. Um, it's a yeah. great name, man. It is. Yeah. And we thought, like, hey, it looks good on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I so, it, was, it was from, like, the, the Damned song. Oh, yeah. Definitely a song. Was but it? Th- no, that wasn't no. what it was from. Yeah. Okay. It was a lyric in an old Unity song uh-huh. um, that Joe kind of bit from there. Unity never gets props. Yeah, they, they never. They were so sick. They were, but I don't think they ever toured. It was just, like, Cali literally thing. like a local band because like when joe started touring with us in ignite when foster started touring like he hadn't really toured before so touring with ignite for him was kind of like his first touring along with us it was all yeah. of our, it was all of our first touring it was casey and he never really toured with no for an answer joe never really toured with unity i'd never toured with the jaded um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so 
So then Call My Brothers comes out, and that's a game changer. For us, it was, yeah, because we finally had a, like... Video, everything, right? No video. Was there video for that right No, but okay. I mean, maybe there was a live stuff that kind of used to... But yeah, we never... We didn't really... We didn't really do videos too much with okay. Ithic Night over the years. But yeah, it finally gave us an album that could be kids could buy domestically and mm. we could go we could go tour on and not they wouldn't have to pay a ton of money to import a cuz Lost and Found also didn't do any vinyl. It was only only CDs. Wow. Okay. So and kids wanted vinyl, they wanted 12 inch. Hell yeah. Yeah, back then, you know. So we we that's 95 that album comes out and uh yeah, and it's fun. We go out, we do Dude, it's funny. We we do these tours, we do like a month with Earth Crisis. We do a month with Integrity, and these are all packages. Wow. In in '95 in the summer. Sick time to '95. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And people talk about how big those shows were back in the day. They weren't. Like New York was big, <laughs> Chicago was big, Louisville was big. Sure. And, and Utah probably no. No. Okay. We didn't do Utah with that package, but and then like Corona, you know, LA and Corona were big, but dude, everywhere else, crickets. Like go play Atlanta. Like thirty kids with the, wow. with that lineup, you know what I mean? Sick lineup, man. Alabama and stuff. So, um, Alabama. I, I let the <laughs> I let the stories be the legend, and yeah, not, not the reality. It's yeah. it's a better story when you say, "Man, those shows were just all packed." When you're actually you're talking about New York and L.A. It was probably so fun, though. It was. It was a good time, and that was the first time us being on the road in America. And then later that year, we went on tour with you guys, and and sick of it all. Oh, that's right. We did ten dates in uh, the well, east. What year was that? Ninety five, like in December. Oh yeah, I got that was the first time I met you. You guys played Tramps with us too. We did that a couple years later. Yeah, but, so ninety five. If so, we get the tour dates, and it's it's uh, us and you guys and sick of it all. And there's it's all East Coast, but there's no New York City show. And there's an off night on a Saturday. And I was like, why wouldn't what? why wouldn't there be a New York show? And why is there an off night on a Saturday? And that was the night sick of it all played with the Beastie Boys at Coney Island. Coney Island High. Yeah. And under a different name. Yeah, uh, Quasar. That's right, dude. So we were all there watching what? Sick of It All play with right. the Beastie Boys, and that's why we didn't have a show on a Saturday night, why we didn't have a New York City show. And dude, the Beastie Boy, that was a, I mean, dude, again, watching these guys on MTV and listening to this stuff, and then small all of a sudden club. I'm in a small club backstage, and Mike D comes up to me and like, do you want to hit on this? I'm just like crazy like this reality i'm living in like what is like what year is this 95 that's a good day off it is a yeah. good day off. yeah it's worth a day off in yeah. new york city for that walk yeah. down to burritoville get a burrito burritoville, yes. yeah and then walk over and go in and hang backstage and like sergio vega's working there and right. freddie's working there and john joseph is working there and all these dudes i'm just like looking around going this is crazy yeah, the guys from degeneration opened up that spot really okay uh -huh. that was a fun venue it was so good. Coney Island High. It yeah. was weird. Upstairs and you go left and there's a jukebox and a bar and then it wrapped around in the back. But you could get like 400 kids in there. Yeah. It was fun. They definitely did for that show. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was like probably six. So then you guys came back and did tramps with us on a rec one of our rec release parties yep. maybe. Yeah. 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 That was fun. That was, yeah, that was a little later, but uh, that was, we just flew out for a couple shows for that tramps show. Yeah. What was your first show in New York at? Did you guys play CBs before? We did CBs a little later. Our first, I think our first show was a show at Coney Island. Okay. We did, because I remember we pulled up in the van and Gitter was standing there. My and Gitter. And then uh, Gavin from Burn. Yeah. And uh, Porcel rode up on a 10-speed. Jesus, And I was man. like looking around going, is this what normally happens? When <laughs> Pretty <laughs> like, much. It was, and it was, it was just a community. Normal, it was yeah. just like everybody was there hanging out, wanted to say hi to dudes, and it was kind of fun. Yeah. I would see Joe Ramon walking around on St. Mark's or Danzig on St. Mark's just walking down the street. 
wouldn't say anything to him to see him. Okay, there they go. It was that's just kind so of cool. normal, just walking around, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a difference in New York. And I mean, LA, as you know, you've lived here for a while. It's so spread out. I know. Well, man. you see people up here in your neck of the woods, but we're down in Orange County. And dude, it's it's not like I can just walk down my street and like have that experience like what you guys used to have yeah. in, in New York. It was just different. I had a super weird one three days ago. Winter. I've been going to Runyon Canyon for almost 20 years. Yep. I've seen every person in the world up there. But just the other day, me and my son were walking up. This is some LA shit, though. But you're saying you don't see people. It wasn't Danzig, but we walked up next to Sean Penn at Runyon the other day. It was so <laughs> random. And he had this beautiful dog. We were talking to the dog, and, and then Max was like, yo, that's Jess Piccoli. I said, don't say nothing to him about, yeah, yeah, yeah. about Fast Times. He hates that shit. It was some LA shit. It was just weird because you never see that dude. Right. It's all, it looked yeah. like he came out of the woods. He was all disheveled. His hair it was just, it was some weird shit. But yeah, I don't see people really down walking around and shit out here. It's way yeah. different. What was the first time you went to New York, played there? Uh, the first Eli. Yes, um, we know your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was with Holy Grail. We played some random place in like Williamsburg. Oh wow! Uh, was that later on? It was later on. Okay, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it was one of those things. I got out and there's a dude with like a handlebar mustache riding some weird high bike, and I was oh, like, "Oh, this is a different time." I was like, York. "Dude, yeah. like Biohazard lied to me, dude." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is so fucking yeah. It's so different. Yeah, yeah. We it was uh, <laughs> it was years to to finally make it to you know that the East Coast, the prom the promised land. Yeah, yeah. it's so different. Those though, are right? always the highlights when you look on. I mean, when you look on the European tour, like, hey, what night do we play in Berlin? What night do we play in like Leipzig? Yeah, America's like New York. You, you know, you, those are special. Yeah, special nights. So, a place called home. What was the rec? I, I don't. Know, I think it was Darkest Days. What was the record that like? It wasn't all of a sudden, but Ignite in Europe was just massive, dude. What were those years? It was like insane, man. It was 2000 um, when we put out a place, a, called, a home, place yeah. called Home. So it was, it was weird. So like the earlier part of Ignite was with like Joe and Casey. And it was like, it was a more, it was a hardcore band. We were yeah. on Revelation. Then like Joe and Casey leave the band like 97, 98. And um, we start getting bigger tours at that point before we get signed to TVT Records. We go out. TT, yeah. We go out with Pennywise on Snow Jam. You guys were on that too. Snow Jam. Yeah, Snow Jam in Canada. Uh, we go to Europe with Suicidal on Flying High Across the Sky. We're playing with Bad Religion, Social Distortion. We never played with these bands. Damn. I thought Ignite was like. I was pretty proud that I thought we were like, man, we're we're a good band, and then, you are. But then you get on you get on the side of the stage with Suicidal, and you get on the side of the stage watching Pennywise, and you're like, man, like we can play a sold out show at Handy Street and have 90 kids singing these Handy songs. Street in Jersey? Yeah. And have, you know what I mean? And have like 90 kids singing all the lyrics to our songs and you think all your songs are like smash hits and then you watch how, smash right? Because everybody's singing you're like, our songs are great. And then you get on stage and watch these bands that are like amazing and like at that point we were like, all right, we need to step up our writing a little bit. Mm -hmm. If we're going to compete with these bands or try to compete with these bands because this is what we want to do. We want to become a Pennywise. We want to become yeah. a Suicidal. Like these guys have songs. You know, War Inside My Head, Bro Him, like just these magical sure. things that like we didn't think we had achieved yet so we really buckled down on the songwriting for that place called Home and we wanted big choruses because you remember like writing songs at the beginning you didn't think about chorus verse you just nah. wrote, you just wrote parts that's it dude it was like part yeah. a part b maybe part c let's go back to part b and then end on part d you really no structure no no structure yeah. no there wasn't like what you want to say called like a kind of a pop sensibility to our writing yeah it was just which there's magic in that right totally because you can ca capture that weird thing and uh but at that point we saw these bands like connecting with 
2,000 people, 3,000 people on a show. We're playing like 300, 400 cap rooms, and we're like, how do we get there? And like, we need to kick up our songwriting. And so that's what we really focused on a place called home was writing hooks, writing, not changing who we were, like still writing those aggressive, yeah. energetic, melodic, hardcore songs. But like, let's dude, let's write some big choruses. Let's try and connect. And we did on that one. Like people really connected with yeah. that record. And that's where we started seeing. Um, I remember my buddy Johnny from the band Straight Faced. He, Shout out to Straight Faced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome guys. He called me from Europe. He goes, dude, we're about to go on stage at the Melkweg in Amsterdam. Great He's venue. like, your your album just came out and the crowd is singing along. They're playing it in between. The crowd is singing along to your album waiting for the next band to go Damn. on. He's like, and we hadn't been to Europe yet on that album. He's like, you guys are going to kill it out here. And I got so excited when wow. he said that. And I was like, that's, that's you know, it was what we were hoping for. It's like these big songs to to resonate with people. Yeah, I mean, there's so much uh, melody and Ignite with Zoli's voice and yep. just the songs. W what were some of the inspirations for the Ignite sound? Because it's so different. I mean, originally, like, Joe Foster, his whole idea when we started, he wanted to, like, bring back that West Coast uniform choice kind yeah. of sound. That, Dreaming for a change. Yeah, that he was yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. he's like, it's missing. There's nobody doing this right That's now. That's thought about that. It's very uniform choice. Shit. But, totally. I never thought about that my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, in Missouri. So Joe do, does yeah, Unity with Pat, with Pat Dubar, and Pat's also singing, obviously, uniform choice and all that stuff, but um, that was the connection. Joe was like, and all the dudes in Orange County scene, so respectful and such big fans of Uniform Choice. Amazing. It was like a sacred yeah. band to all those guys. It was, it was Casey Jones always said it was the West Coast Minor Threat for everybody. I I, I agree. And uh, that record's perfect. Too. Yeah. So that was like the idea is like bring back this aggressive melodic music with that kind of clean vocal that can be scream. With Damn. The, you can also cross over to screaming and then load it with gang gang back backups and have yeah. have that feeling. So that was like the goal. Um, when me and Joe started the band, me and Joe Foster, and uh, but it's got pop sensibility it does. too. It's got all that. You it know does, what I mean? like, you know. And we even, all, even the U two cover song, all that that was awesome. Yeah, I, I think that was always our thing is we wanted to mix in between all the hardcore songs, kind of rock songs. Yeah, that was always because peaks. And, you know, you want your there's a rock vibe for sure. Man. Peaks and valleys. You know, if it's all just the same fast beat and everything, it's going to get boring. So 100%. we always wanted to do like slow songs, halftime songs, heavier songs, almost ballads. Yeah, yeah to make sure. it interesting. So then when that next fast one comes in, it's like, oh, cool. I love that, dude. Yeah, that was always kind of the goal is to make it make not, it as interesting as we could for us. And not make the same record over and over again. A lot of bands just do that. Do like We have to do our tour next year. Let's do a new album, go on tour, a new merch, new, yep. new cycle. Yeah. It just becomes like a, a job or like a machine. I never liked that, man. I know. Yeah. We never really did that. And I think about it, I, we haven't put a record out in seven years. The last three records we've done have been seven years in between. And we've been together 26 years. We only have like seven albums out. That's so bad. We, have, we have less. Oh, really? Yeah, we're like one behind you guys, I think. That's so cool. You're the first band I met that has <laughs> less than 10 albums you're, out. You're the first I band I feel like a loser all the time. It's been around longer than us that has less music out. <laughs> so how many records? So there's only... Oh, there's six? You basically. About to be seven. Yeah. Holy shit, that's fucking amazing. Right? Wait, one, two, three, four. <laughs> but dude, you know what? <laughs> the same shit. I know. So, I mean, we have big gaps in between just like you guys. Yeah. But I mean, one thing that I've... I think the gaps work, man. I don't they know. can. They can. And one thing that I was stoked on you guys with, a lot of bands, a lot of bands, people only want to hear like the first two records, first record. And you guys, and I feel we've been lucky too, and Mabal and a couple other bands, where dude, people want to hear our later stuff more than the earlier stuff. It's crazy, dude. And when you guys put out the record in 06... Um, oh, nothing to prove in 2008. Yeah. yeah. Eight, eight, yeah. yeah. That was like, to me, that's your crowning jewel, I think, record. And, My favorite record. Ever and done. I think that 
lucky i mean lucky for us and lucky for you guys that it's like it opened up it's got we got a bunch of young kids because it was like they thought it was a new band like oh and they don't even know our older stuff we play stuff on call my brothers and we, where people are like oh that's a cool new song it's like no dude, wow that's 15 years before this you know so yeah. it's a it, i think it's a blessing that we've been lucky enough and you guys too very have, have people like our later stuff because people almost wrote us off on the major labor record we were sellouts all that shit so then we got kind of burnt and like took time off and then we did took seven years and we were on bridge nine which is a great label yep. and they have a different audience with the timing chad producing or paul minor all yep. that I, just... I came and watched you guys play at the palace that's now the avalon okay. or whatever and all on your guys's uh mca record oh wow and it was and I, I remember it was packed it wasn't sold out it was packed and i was like this would be incredible and it was like it was probably a weird time for you guys with the major thing and people dissing and whatnot because I remember seeing you guys and you guys weren't like super happy. And, and I was just like, and I, and I was like, oh man, they should be enjoying this moment. But it's, you get wrapped up in that whole major label game, I'm sure. We kind of did with TVT where it's like, they gave us like three months of promotion then bailed on us and they didn't, I mean, you guys probably have a more, a worse story, but yeah. uh, it's just, it's weird to go through that thing and go like, dude, there's 1,100 people in here sold out's like 13 let's celebrate that not yeah you know what i mean but um yeah but that was a cool i thought that was a cool time for you guys man no i definitely <clears throat> it's so funny i always talk about this freaking record man i didn't write one lyric on the go record my head was in a totally different place i didn't want to leave epitaph but it, we're a band we're a family we're a yep. unit people wanted to make that make that jump you know newfoundland girl he's like come over here and blink was on our friends was on yep on mca and yeah it's just a time in my life where i was moving from Cal new york to cali and I didn't write one. We were recording next to Guns N' Roses. They were doing Chinese Democracy. So we see Axel in there. It was a weird, surreal month. We were staying at the Oakwoods, yep. doing this expensive oh, wow. album Spending being produced by Matt Wallace, who produced Faith and More and R.E.M. My yeah. drummer picked him. So it was a surreal moment. And like I, I, my head was not in it. And I love the songs. We play them live to this day. And to this now people love that record. Back then, they... That was a message board just started. Right. You're a sellout. They judged you before you even heard the album because of what label you on. Yep. All that shit. And I just have this, it's such a weird feeling when I think about that record because now people love it. But it's just, if Chad Gilbert reproduced that record now, I probably love it. It was just overproduced and the word slick. That was right. like a diss word back then. It's totally. too slick. We were too slick and <laughs> it poppy. It sounded good. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah, like, yeah. But, but I didn't write, this is the only record I didn't write one word on. Interesting. It's fucking crazy, wow, bro. And wow. I've been talking about it so much on the podcast, people can't believe that I didn't write anything on. I just, I didn't. I let my brother take the reins. Yep. I don't regret it. I just wished it... Um, I don't know. I wish it was produced. wasn't so slick. And I love Matt Wallace. That's my brother. He did a great job. Yep. The label was involved. But yeah, I just wasn't there. I was just showing up and singing my part. It was so weird, dude. I was so stoked for you Dang. guys. Thank you. You, 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 <laughs> guys, no, you guys were getting so big at that point, And there were so many bands that were getting like that started either at the same time or after us that were passing us by. And I never was, never was jealous of that. I was like, no, this is cool because these guys are going to take us like we're going to go on tour with them. Like and, yeah, and like yeah. maybe maybe we'll climb above the ladder at some point. And I don't know in helping each other out and like I think bands in the hardcore scene from Hatebreed to AFI and all these bands even sick of it all dude signed to East West and I know they took us all out and they were on a major label and all over MTV and oh, it was just cool it's, I like it when yeah I did it because of them I did it because I think Seven Seconds went to Restless I don't think that was a major there was something they did and that was my favorite band it wasn't yep. I, 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 I want to say it wasn't independent maybe it was but Sib was on a major Orange 9mm Quicksand we were all managed by the same manager Scott McGee yep. so we are all part of this little bubble back then yep. and everybody was taking chances my friends were going on majors and, and, our, friend, like, and our friends were now becoming getters uh, an A&R guy yeah. a major, all these guys that we knew from 
earlier days were now at the major and they were signing everybody because that whole wave of heavy music that took over after Seattle yeah. just paved that road for all of us to get on either big indies or majors and festivals in Europe now wanted all these hardcore bands. And yeah, it, it was the perfect time to start a hardcore band. Yeah. Like when, <laughs> when we did it, it was, I mean, it was just yeah. like the scene just around us enabled like, like a path to success if you wanted to like work hard. No, no, totally. And there's some really great moments. Play, playing the Conan O'Brien was beautiful and playing the song on yep. there and doing that cool stuff. And we That's had some rad. great tours. And But yeah, I just... And then when I look back, see some videos of us playing those songs that we've never played again, but only on that tour cycle from the record. Right. Just some weird deep cuts. Like, <laughs> There's some songs that I love, but like I said, live. But yeah, it was a good experience. I'm glad we did it. But Brett Gerwitz from The Jump is like, you guys can always come back. He was so cool about That's us cool. leaving and coming back. He's been like that with The Offspring and a bunch of bands. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an interesting time, man, for that sure. That was like Jordan from Revelation. We signed a three-record deal with them, and I sat down with Jordan. We did one EP on them, so we only, like, half of a record. We still owed them two and a half, and I said, hey, Jordan, this is the plan, what we want to do for a place called home. Do you guys want to spend this money on marketing? And he goes, no, we can't do it, but let me help you make a demo, and I'll help shop you to get you signed so you can leave the label. Wow, that's fucking awesome. Like, I was like, what? Who does that? What a G. Not man, like other awesome. guys at other labels in other parts of the country. Of course. That were like, like holding on to bands hostage, not letting them leave, going lawsuits and stuff. And then like Jordan Cooper was like, no, if you guys don't want to be here, or not that you don't want to be here. If we can't like facilitate what you guys want to do, then let's help you guys get to where you are. Cause he's like, at the end, it's going to help your back catalog too. That we that's, sell. Another, that, that's, that's it. That he comes from our world. It comes from our scene. Yes. You know what I mean? He's not like a corporate scumbag. No, some not trying guy. to hold us hostage and make our lives miserable. We're lucky because MCA crumbled. So we just got to walk away. We had did, like a nine record deal. Did you guys get that record oh, back? Shit. No, I'm working on it now because it's been over 20 years. Good. I'm trying to work on it now. Good. But yeah, we just went under. You know what I mean? Like super lucky, man. Yeah. So when, when, when A Place Called Home comes out in Europe, when you go there for the first time, is it like night it's, and day? It's different. Yeah. But the only bummer was TVT screwed up. They were going to launch TVT Europe and they didn't end up launching it. So again, vice versa. Now Europe is getting uh, A Place Called Home only as an import. Holy it's, wow. Yeah, you, 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 wow. Yeah, you, so we got now we have a U.S. record company with no uh, licensee in Europe, and TVT Europe UK or TVT UK That's doesn't. Brutal. Yeah, and it was rough. And so I talked to Burning Heart, talked to Epitaph, all these guys that were interested. They were like, "Yeah, we'd love to put your record out in Europe, but it's coming out next week. We can't." Like it was so Jesus. late to the game of us getting a record out there. So finally, three months later, uh, Supersonic, who had Guano Apes and and him and everything they put it out in europe for us on okay. on bmg so we got we got some push but i think the record could have even been bigger because we we were playing way bigger shows so many more people knew our stuff it was insane man but it wasn't like readily available for like the first half of the touring cycle wow which was frustrating so frustrating for us it was just like missed opportunities Damn. you know what i mean yeah you just wonder how much bigger and how much Things could have been different. Two thousand, a place called home. Yeah, and then there's a six year gap yeah. for our darkest days. That's crazy. Yeah, what am I? Well, I had a seven year gap for that. It's like you, it's like H two O. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the big one, isn't it? The big one for Europe. Like, yeah, that's the big one. That's when we finally have a label everywhere. Six years off though. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it was. I mean, dude, we toured so long on no, a, you did. a place called home. Yeah, and that's, you know that's when be, I got yeah. into you. That's, and you, you, that's a record you yeah, heard. That's the record I came in. Did on. you go yeah. back and check out all the other records after that? Yeah. Sick. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. awesome. Like, and then it was it was it was fun like going back now as like, oh, I, I gotta learn this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As you know, it's you know, to actually perform it's different than you singing along with the, In your you bedroom know. and yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. And so it was going back and then there was just like um just like 
deep cuts i had heard that like now going back as a singer i'm like oh man this is like can we I, play this one yeah exactly yeah, dude, yeah 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 asking us to play stuff we are you had. doing songs you've never done in we're, a while we're getting into that yeah that's cool man yeah. relearning a song that you wrote like 25 years ago that's and cool. then going oh this is pretty cool because he likes it and yeah he's feeling it that's yeah. amazing yeah wow yeah that that's a really really cool thing that that's gonna feel doing. good too, to bring it to bring it back you yeah know and I mean? then it sounds like you know because like dude we all had crappy gear back then and like those recordings sucked so now when we play <laughs> these songs they sound like some of them sound full like fuller than you what you remember the songs being. <laughs> on those are you working a job at that point or are you just doing music at that time i was doing construction up until tvt Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then we got you. Know, you know how like they were just throwing money around back totally, then, so man. you could live for like half a year or something before. So you went sick. And it was nice, you know. <laughs> it, to, was. it was nice <laughs> to not have to get up and go do uh, construction three five days a week, and you could work on music and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it it was it was a it was a cool it was a different shift for like uh, the amount of time you could put into into music. Yeah, which was awesome. Especially going come back from Europe to its different world, man. Yep. Everything festivals, all that. So our darkest days that 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 crushes that's like next level. For that you guys. opens up a, yeah a lot of like opportunity for us. You know, um, Rise Against is hitting. Then we're playing shows with them, and you're um, getting higher higher on the festival bills and stuff like that's that. That's how that's when you can tell on those European yeah. festival. Oh, our font got a little bigger this year. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like all you can the, see us in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're not down in the alphabetical listing. We're above. So yeah, that that album we put a ton of work into and um we were like super super stoked on how it was going to come out but at the end of the day you don't know how people are going to react yeah you don't know all you can do is trust i like it you know and then we put it out and people were like oh my gosh this is like fresh it's exciting it sounds like ignite but it's new yeah um and then yeah that we just ran with it and we toured and toured off that grinded i remember seeing you guys oh i was like holy shit yeah, we toured like four, it was sick man four years on that record probably wow like like kind of straight that's kind of what hate did on their big record too on yep, yep. satisfaction where that one is called yeah one of the first of ones? desire yeah yeah that he they toured so hard on that one too they grinded on that record man love that guy love yeah, those me, guys me too shout out to jamie Justin. yeah um that's so cool man fuck because yes. I remember hearing about Ignite and seeing you guys, like, holy shit. Yeah, and it was fun watching it grow. Like, you know, you go play Grows Rock. and that, I mean, Yo. maybe at that time, the best festival in the world for, Ever, for, for, for stuff that we do. And just the place just goes nuts and, like, comes apart. And you're like, I, I'm the plane can fly into the mountain on the way home now. <laughs> I'm good. Don't say that. No, um, yeah. but you know what I mean? It was just like, I don't really need to. I mean, I at that point, I was like, I don't need to play another show, like, as far as uh, having to feel satisfied yeah it grows like the same it's dude. like watching you guys play that stage with no barricade and oh, just yeah. it's the craziest thing ever you know it was just fun and that's one it's of no longer around that, that festival right hopefully it'll come back or something yeah, please I come know. back grows rock we love you man yeah one of Incredible. the best, best experiences uh, over that like 10 year period i think we played maybe the first one when it was indoor and this weird i remember thing. that I think yeah it was so. like and then it grew and grew and grew and then all of a sudden it just yeah, but it's one of the biggest things out there. I love Europe so much that the, the, the uh, diverse bills they have, man. You could be playing with Wu Tang Clan, Agnostic Front. Yeah, it's crazy bills, man. It's so sick. Yeah, they're into heavy, extreme music in all the genres. It seems yeah. like a little bit more like than here, like the the fan base. And it cro there was more crossover there. It felt like for sure from an early stage between like the hip hop and the hardcore and the punk. It was because you know you'd go to these 
we'd play a show like with you guys or whatever and the show would be done by 10 and then the bus would be parked out front and you'd see a line of like a thousand kids waiting to get to get into the disco after yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But, yeah. But disco, it, disco loadout but it's sometimes a, my band members would go to the disco yeah i'm not gonna say their names but dude <laughs> so fun and, but it'd be like rock it yeah, wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be like dance music it'd be like rock you'd go in and watch people like do we do we moshing, moshing to, to hardcore songs yeah. or something yeah. in, in, yeah. in the same club after with a dj on stage spinning you guys and us and it's crazy yeah. dude it was it's yeah Dif- that's a different thing in europe that when people ask me what's the difference between america and europe that's definitely one of them i miss europe so much right now it's been two years since i toured man europe yep. probably you guys too like yes exactly it's so crazy to think we'll go back there someday i know how much i would kill to be backstage eating some shitty cheese yeah, oh, catered no, you don't food, eat cheese, but, whatever, yeah. some shitty, whatever, some, tofu scramble. Some food that's sitting there sweating. Just warm, waiting warm all beer. day. I killed to be in the backstage right now waiting to play a show in yeah. Europe, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so crazy. A lot like, of good memories f- doing that over the last 30 years, you know? I know. Really good memories. Well, it's going to happen again. Yep. So, so Eli, when's the last time you've been on a long tour? Long tour. I did... Um, I play, not to get confusing, I play guitar in this band, Insight. Okay. Uh, which, yeah... Um, it rhymes, and people like to point that out. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and that was it was a European tour in like right be- like right before the pandemic. Okay, like we were, I I was like flying as we were hearing like shit was going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like um, we met up with uh, friends I'd made like in Exodus and Death Angel. We met up with them, and they like ended up getting like COVID after that. Oh, and it was just, it was like that time. So okay. it, was, it was like right before. Kicked so, in, yeah. so that was the last time I was in Europe. Um, and what a, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago. I but know, it's, it's two years, years, man. And then we did a, um, a festival in Mexico City. Nice. Like when everybody was shutting down. So it was one of those things where like all the big bands were dropping off and it was like, Oh, we're headlining the side stage. Like, no shit. And it was like, no, you're going on at like five on the main stage. Oh wow! Like, hour set. <laughs> oh, and the, the <laughs> that festival was sponsored by Corona. Oh, it was sh- just like one of those like <laughs> I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna make it back in the country <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, read the room, guys. So that was what year was that one? That was like two. 2019. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, and actually, um. I had to come back because uh, it was the last week of shooting Studio 666, mm. and they ended up having to push the entire production for just one more week of shooting for like a year. Oh, shit. And so that was just like- Just all COVID, yeah. Yeah. For a whole year? For all, yeah, totally. Wow, man. And so I'm sure Rhoda was like freaking out, scrambling. Totally. <laughs> so this is going to be good to go back. So you guys really haven't played like that many shows together. Just- Six or seven. Six, wow, yeah. Man. yeah. We played awesome. what, that Punk in the Park with yeah. uh, Fletcher got us on that. That was my first show. Yeah. yeah, and then we just a bunch of like smaller shows. We played a couple with Good Riddance up north, which was That's fun. Cool. And um, every time I die at the Garden Amp, one of their last shows. Okay. Um, and uh, then just a couple other ones, small like little club shows that we've done. Yeah, and how is it for you to be on stage with a different singer now? Is it? It feels great to yeah. be on stage, dude. Yeah, I'm just sure, in man. general, yeah. you know. And dude. Eli's a different human being. Is different totally. everything, and it's just yeah, it's a it's a completely it's a new energy. It is. It's a different. It's a different vibe. Yeah, my son's been playing drums with us, and it's like a brand new energy. And like we're he's he's liking some old songs we haven't played from the first record. It's like <laughs> we put these in the set. Same thing, dude. I Hell saw the yeah. footage you posted the other night from the Garden Amp show of him playing, killing it on drums. It's really, it's really good. So cool, man. Really so good. Stoked. I'm yeah. so stoked, man. That, and then just the fact that yeah, it's it's your son and looking know, over at him. That's a, 
It's pretty surreal, man, to yeah. be honest. He's killing it, though. And he's like, can we play, like, some random songs, like, deep cuts? I'm like, sure. We haven't played those in years. But that's exciting, too. Like, not just for him, but for you guys. You totally. know, it's like brand new energy. It is. It, and we just wanted to keep doing music, man. Yeah. So you, you got... So you, what did you do for 10 years between those records? 2006 to 2016, a war against you. That's 10 years, bro. It's a decade. A decade of silence. Were you doing construction? A, de- a decade doing- of silence. <laughs> <laughs> were you doing... Were you doing- <laughs> Are you doing uh, construction? Do you doing Nations of Fire too, though? We did. I had a, side, yeah. a couple side things I was doing. I was had this other little Lost band, of the Be- Last, Last of the Believers. Yeah, yeah, and th- those were all fun things. Zoli was in Pennywise for four years. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was time. And you made the Misfits too. Yeah, there was time to do stuff. So um, nice yeah. break. Yeah, it was. And then by the time we started working on the last record, it was like 2014. So wow. Yeah. So it was a long gap, but didn't seem like 10 years and how was how how were people's reaction to that when that came back which wait which one the last one the uh war against you oh um that response because it took such a long gap oh uh yeah i thought it was okay okay i don't think it was a lot too long of a time i don't think we were on top of our game for that record okay um there's some good moments on it but um it wasn't we all have those it wasn't the follow-up to our darkest days that i thought it should have been Ah. yeah well it was a long follow-up though it was it was it came out sooner yeah yeah perhaps and i think maybe it would have been a different vibe or something but yeah um yeah 10 years is a long time um but yeah long time but now we're here for the new record which is self-titled it is. I like that. Thanks. It was. We had like four titles, but. Oh, you did? But when we got together with, with Gitter, because he's our A&R guy. Oh, shit. He was Shout like, out to Gitter. Yeah, what do you, yeah. He was like, what do you guys think about self-titled? We're like, well, we were going to bring it up, but we didn't know if. Th- it seemed what, lazy. Yeah. It seemed like, <laughs> did you guys just not have a title? But, yeah, yeah. And then so we sat down and pow out, and it was like, no, it's, dude, it's like a new beginning. A lot of bands, first album, like, you know, Clash Ramones, like. Of course. Are self-titled. Ours was self-titled the first one. Yeah. And it's kind of. So, you have no self-titled record. We don't. Right? No. So. It was like a little bit of a. It's perfect, actually. The, the next chapter. No, I like that. I think I think it's smart. Yep. Damn, it's exciting, man. It is. It's fun. Um, it was fun. The whole experience has just been really fun so far. Yeah, I listened to the um couple songs. Say the ones, uh, this day, the river, and on the ropes are awesome, man. They sound great, man. Dude, thank you so much. You, you killed it, man. It sounds. So we, we were writing all the songs and showing Eli all the songs, and he's like, um, I'm gonna go home and write like a more old school song. Really? Yeah, and uh, so he comes back a couple days later with the song This Day. Sick. Music, vocals, everything. Nice, man. And he's like, I just wanted to write kind of like a uniform choice style song that I thought was kind of missing from what you guys were doing. So it's kind of funny, like the most Ignite sounding song on the record yeah. is written, written by the new guy. The new, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so was we, are you nervous presenting them songs though or no? Yeah, but it, it was, at, at that point, it was such a like welcoming yeah, yeah, like yeah. vibe that I felt like, you know, even if it was stupid, like, you know, <laughs> I would get jabbed because we're friends. And well, that's you've been what honest you do. with them about those songs. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it was like a thing where, like, I felt OK taking chances. But it was like, yeah, wanting to, like, write, like, one of my favorite, like, old school hard so- hardcore songs that I've never gotten to, like, just fully go all Sick. out in. And so, yeah. yeah. And to hear, like, Brett go, yeah, he's like, dude, you wrote, like, a uniform choice song. I'm like, so crazy, man. I was, I was stoked. Yeah. And then the fact that it made the record was, like, rad. Yeah. That's then, so cool. I, I'm so embarrassed that I didn't put the two and two together until th- this moment. Uniform choice and Zoli's, it's crazy. And you guys, it's crazy, dude. That was, yeah. That yeah, was kind really? of the... Because right? there's only two bands that really do that. It's right. them and you guys. It's fucking... Totally. Have people gotten that or noticed that? Maybe old school heads. Yeah. 
but not like the generation later. Not the newer, like from our darkest days on. I don't think a lot yeah. of those younger kids know that band. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's such a great um, homage to them too. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, know I mean? you guys like well, like the older stuff. You guys kind of did that, um, like the tempo changes. Yeah, too. Which I think. Yeah. You know, when you're just you know in a garage, you don't know you're doing tempo changes. You're not like setting your like click track no. and shit like you're that. Just like, how just, do we get to like the heavy? Mon- that's that part. You just go there. <laughs> yeah. And where'd you record the new record at? We did it with Cameron Webb. Oh yeah, I just down in uh, Costa or uh, Santa Ana. I just sang on a uh, urethane record there oh, a year yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. First, it was because he did a trio record. I think that's the first time I met him. Yep. But I got to go do something in the studio, which I haven't sang in the studio in fucking seven years. He was on me. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy with my performance, but it was with a real Yo. producer. It's been years since that happened. Dude, Cameron's he intense. Was, he was yeah. intense. And he was he's great, though. He, he's like our sixth member. He's always been like, he, we started working with him on pre-production for A Place Called Home. So we've okay. worked on like 24 years now. We've been Damn, working, okay. working with him. And uh, yeah, he just brings it. And I was telling this story the other day that I had to go drop off a hard drive there um, a couple months ago, way after we were done with the record. And he's got some band in there, a young band. And he's grilling them and giving them the same treatment like that he gives us and i was like oh he does this with everybody yeah felt like he was cheating a little bit but no i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh but no he's on point though he man. is and he's into it if he's gonna put his name on it he's like dedicated to it and he wants the best product yeah it was like all the motorhead stuff in there and telling those stories yeah. and like yep. so, so how long did the record take to make how long did you guys work on it 14 days that's really not a lot of time. No. Dude. Yeah, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday. That's some old yeah. school shit, And it was bro. done. And yeah. like like business hours, it's like going there and sing some hardcore punk rock at like 9 a.m., dude. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was supposed to start like on the first yeah. of the month, and uh, he had to push it back like a week and a half or something, and I was getting all worried about it. Dude, you know how long records take to make? They, they can go on and on and on. And I was yeah. like, dude, well, there's no way we're going to get this done. It's got to be done by this date because the vinyl is all backed up. It's eight months and whatever. It is. Everything's backed yeah, up, Yeah, it's man. backed up so far. And then we got in there, and then by like day 10, I was like, this thing's almost wrapped. Wow. And we just finished like the leads and the gang backups and the harmonies and stuff, but like all the basic tracks were done in 10 days. We had like a whole like um, basically over half a day to dick around with like tones and you know like you know you yeah. do the weird shit at the end of the record totally. where, like let's go throw some piano on this yeah. part or you know <laughs> right yeah um, that's cool had the luxury to kind of do that absolutely yeah. yeah which was cool but yeah it was really quick we came in super prepared we demoed each song yeah. twice oh uh, wow and he was involved in the second demos listening to them and making notes so all the changes pretty much lyrically musically structurally were made before we went in to do the album so we just it was cool because we got to focus just on the sonics and the tones and not worried about the changes because we'd already done the work and put in the work and made all the changes and Cameron was like dude let's I don't want to be bogged down with where we got to still write a third of the record while we're in the studio he's like we have to get that done and he's like I want to like our big decision is like what Marshall amp are we going to use? What pedal are we going to use? You know, yeah. what guitar are we going to use on a part? So we really got to just focus on the Sonics when we were in there and the playing. That's great, man. Yeah. Which made it nice, you know, knowing yeah. that the, the music was done. Yeah. And Eli, when was the last time you were in the studio recording? Shit. It was probably, I mean, yeah, it was the, it was that record with, uh, with Rhoda, the Huntress record okay. in like 2015. Oh, wow. So it's been a minute. Yeah. And then the, cause the thing with the Holy Grail record was like, we were just so like backed up on like time. Yeah. I ended up having to like record everything at my house Okay, and then sending them like the raw tracks to get like reamped, yeah. which it's like, you'd think that's a luxury, but I'm like, 
I don't know what like how it's gonna sound, so I'm like extra trying to play it well. So yeah. I'm like more critical of myself. Totally. Um. So yeah, it been it pretty much been since like 2015, and then to go in as just a singer, and a brand new band too. Brand new <laughs> band, and then all, I think I was mainly I was mainly <laughs> nervous of, to work with Cameron. Yeah. You know, because the first time we went in there, he was like kind of like, um, you know. I think he was just being honest, but to me, I was like, "This motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> but he's but, super honest, dude. Yeah. But like, when when we actually got working on the record, he was fantastic. Like, cool. it was. In, and anytime he was just like, "You could do that better," I was like, "I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I could." <be." laughs> it's cool. He's on you though. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it was great, man. Yeah, it's nice to be in the studio with somebody like outside perspective. All that. Somebody man. that cares. Yeah. And not man. that like we had worked with a producer in the past where it was kind of looking at his clock or looking at his watch. It's and terrible, it's man. hard to like be committed and be all dedicated. But when you're in the same thing with, with Cameron and he like cares and that's why we kept going back to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, and just knowing that like, he's not going to let you get away. Like if you move on from a part and he's happy with it, you're like, okay, rest assured. Like it's going to be good. You know? Yeah. So you guys gonna have a single. Are these singles that are available right now? Is it going to be videos you make it or not? I don't no? know. What is the definition of a single oh, nowadays? Have a video. You have a video with a song. We wanted to do a video for all the first five songs. So, wow. Uh, so we did. We have four out actually right now, four videos. Okay. And we just, after we leave here, we're going to go uh, to edit the last video that okay. comes out. The next song comes out Friday with the album. We're trying to hopefully get the video done or maybe the video is going to come out next week, whatever. But there'll be the fifth video for the... Okay. That'll probably be the quote unquote would be the single I think it's one of the catchier songs mm-hmm. on the record and we were jamming it last night at rehearsal and it sounded great live so um, yeah so the it, that one's called The Butcher and Me The Butcher and Me okay yeah. so that's maybe these three that are out already and what was the other one I saw like a teaser for a while ago I lo- the, the first title Anti-Complicity Anthem yeah yeah that was the first that the, was the like kind of like teaser kind of thing yeah right? that was like yeah. introduce the world to Eli yes which was uh, we kind of kept it you know under wraps we didn't want to really did man and it was that fun was... because how many times do you get a chance to roll out a new singer <laughs> like that <laughs> it, you know so it's like it was gonna happen like one time so it's like we wanted to have fun with it and do teaser videos and like kind of have fun with the whole thing and get yeah. people guessing because people were guessing <laughs> funny stuff and we knew they yeah. would never guess Eli because he's never really sang before in a band with a proper release he's a guitar player so yeah, listening so cool, to man. people talk about like who they think was gonna be the singer was kind of fun for us give me a couple uh, so people would say oh Jim Lindbergh and I was like, come on, guys. Oh, swap. Dude, come on. Like, everyone thought they were the first one to come up yeah, with that. Yeah, they thought that yeah, was super, super yeah. clever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude, he's in a band. Like, um, then, like, uh, Russ from Good Riddance. Okay. Is he going to sing? But he's doing his own thing. I mean, he, Good Riddance is an amazing band. Totally. And, uh, yeah, just. Uh, well, there was a whole thing with, with the all. Oh, like, yeah. Little. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I put in capital letters, we're excited about all of this. And I capitalized A-L-L. Oh, man. And people were like, What? No well, the way. Guys from all, yeah. yeah. Wow. Scott or like, you know. Uh, I can see. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. So it was, we had kind of fun with it. Yeah. And it and, was it was fun to like watch. Like it, it felt like, you know, you're hiding in the closet, you know, watching like a whole <laughs> party of people trying to like figure things out. That's a weird. So we didn't want to announce Eli until we could release the song. Smart. Because it didn't make sense to go. OK, the new singer is the guitar player from Holy Grail. It what 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 does he sound? We don't know what he sounds yeah. like. It doesn't. Get, it wouldn't give anything away. Well, no, totally. And then too, with like just how social media is, like every time there's something, like most bands nowadays days would have been like at the tryout and be like, "Yo, new singer!" Like selfie, and then totally, dude. And so to actually keep it, 
it's close amazing. to the chest. It was, was fun cool. to be able yeah. to do that nowadays yeah, was, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was fun. And so now, now you're front with no guitar. No guitar. Yeah. No, no guitar for the time being. Okay, okay, okay. Wouldn't it be fun to throw the guitar on sure. for a couple songs? But I want to see him like without like, no. his move style. Like his totally. oh, dude, I love it. It's it's and then just like seeing these dudes jump around and yeah. it's just like it's hard not to like go all out and it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The first show we did was at Punk in the Park. We're on that big stage and we didn't have a chance to do like a small club show warm up mm-hmm. and it was just yeah. like all right, right into the fire and <laughs> uh, and we were practicing in rehearsal rooms, so it's kind of small. And I'm walking up to the stage, getting ready to go on. And I go, I'm in my head. I'm like, I wonder what Eli's going to be like on stage running around. And like halfway through the first song, I was like, oh, he's going off. Sick. I'm like, old man Brett better get his, better get his <laughs> jumps gear back to compete. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Where was that show? What, where was that? It was at Oak Canyon Ranch. Okay. They had two stages, two days. It was a good show. First yeah, one? Penny, yeah. Pennywise was on one day. No effects was on the other. And then like Voodoo Glow Schools and. A bunch of bands played both stages and stuff. Fear played, man. Awesome. Oh, wow, nice. Dude, so cool. So are people coming out that... What about people that know you from your other bands? They're like stoked yeah. on it and stuff? Like, no, there's a, it's it's been surprising. There's been a lot of cool. uh, people that are like stoked like on this and just like yeah. really getting into it and like... People that I, I would have never thought that were like power metal type people were like, yo, I just <laughs> bought the shirt. I'm like, no shit. It's cool, man. Dude, so uh, the director, um, BJ uh, McDonald. Am I going to fuck that up? Totally blanking. But anyway, the, look it up. Yeah, okay. the, uh, the director for um, the Studio 666, okay. um, he was actually like a Holy Grail fan. Nice. So it was like we had that, you know, metal connection. Yeah. And then... Um, he like comments and then I ended up talking to him at the premiere. He was like a big Ignite fan. No way, dude. And so he was like, dude, that just blew my mind. That's so you cool, know, man. To, uh, Such a small world. You right, really yeah, know. totally. But you never talked to him about Ignite because you weren't in that band. That's yeah, exactly. crazy. Oh, but yeah. All the people from the hardcore scene, they do all kinds of shit. It's amazing. It dude. is. They come out of the woodwork. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah I do. We're all so connected. Certain, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so the record's out March 25th. Right. Yep. Yep. Everywhere. Everywhere. I guess except for Australia. No. Just but kidding. Europe, though. Europe, definitely. <laughs> yep. It's out there. I just saw the guys at Cortex unboxing it, put, marking it up, putting it in the shelves and stuff. So, um, yeah, dude, it's it's fun. New, new releases are fun. Yeah. Man. And, and we just got it's been the, a minute, man. It's awesome. We just got yeah. the vinyl in the mail the other day, and when you open it up for the first time, and it looks right. Yeah. And then you're like, yes, this is awesome. So it's so yeah. what label is it's on? What label in America? Century Media Worldwide. Oh, well, great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. Not to and be. Mike Gear is the A&R. Yep. He's our yep. A&R guy. Yeah. Man, shout out to Mike Gear. He's been in the industry for like over 25 years, man. Always working with cool bands from the beginning. Yep. Important pieces. Coming the from the scene. core. Everything, man. And so, still stoked. On yeah. Still stoked man. on music, man. Yeah. Like you're a true music, music lover. Fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and like and one of us from our scene that's not the typical A and R person. Totally, do you know what I mean? You can like call he's been him around, have a conversation. He goes to shows. He supports bands. I yep. see him all around at different shows. He's out like, shows every yeah. night. Uh, every night, right? Dude, he posts so many videos from shows. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that looks exhausting. Um, <laughs> now I'm gonna ask you some que- the couple questions at the very end. That yep. You have any regrets, Brett, in your life? Um, God, off the cuff. Um, so I got married two years ago. Okay. Which uh, forty eight when I got married the first time, and uh, and it's funny. Wait, when you, okay, with the same, you're, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you just uh, I think maybe I would have made that decision to do it earlier. Okay, because that 
dude, marriage is cool. That that yeah. that, that relation. I mean, you know, you've been, you wish you met your girl a long time ago. Well, we met and then we broke up and got back together. Uh, and it would have been, I think it would have been cool. But you know, I, I don't know if I was in the right place. Headspace, yeah. Then, but um, but yeah, dude, that like would have been. I think I wouldn't have had a problem like getting married earlier at all. Yeah. But like, dude, you think you're so busy and you're touring and like it just seems like life's getting in the way, you know? Yeah. And, and it 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 wasn't. Yeah. It was just me making a choice. So that's that's the only one that's good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's probably one. But now you're with the lady, so you're chilling. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Dude, so cool. It's awesome. Such a t- it's, it feels so good to have like a solid team and like somebody you can depend on and lean on of course, and just man. I mean, it's it's just it's hard to describe if you know if people not married people no, what, whatever. It's yeah. just that container of marriage is like pretty rad. Yeah. That like it's beautiful yeah, partnership, all that. Man. It is. It is. So especially when you're a musician, you're traveling, doing all that stuff and And she gets it, you know what yeah. I mean? And that was a lot that was a lot like girlfriends I had earlier, like was like literally a lot of the questions and questions from family too, and these are legit questions. Like, how long are you gonna do this for? Yeah. You know what I mean? My mom just concerned about me. Yeah. Like, how long are you gonna tour for? You know, that's a crazy lifestyle. You're like traveling every <laughs> day yeah and it's just like and then you know you show her a video from some cool like festival in germany and she's like oh that looks pretty that's cool that's a lot of people or whatever yeah and they get it a little bit more but they see that she knows the passion but like i just that was never a thing with uh, my wife she was just like you married to the road though your whole life yeah and i loved it I, i had so much fun and um i don't really have any regrets regarding that but i now that i'm in the position i'm at i would be like I could have I could have been married a long time ago and made this work. Yeah. Well, you are now. That's a good thing. It's You're in a good place. Yeah. Solid. Feels good. It's crazy the sacrifices you make being a musician, all that. Just the different things you miss out and Yeah. Your relationships, dude, funerals, all kinds weddings, of stuff. Everything, like stuff man. that you just you're so committed to being out and you're like, sometimes you try and make, can I fly home from Europe for one day for yes. that wedding? And you're willing to do it and maybe just, there's no flights or something, but yeah, you're out. Dude, we've missed mm-hmm. so I've missed so many birthdays and weddings and know, funerals man. and so have you yeah. and all we course, all have. Man. Yeah. That, that last tour I did two years ago, I was like, I've never missed my son's birthday ever. And I, I, I was like, wait, we can't play the last show of Persistence Tour. It's my son's birthday. So I just flew home that day. We didn't play. I came straight home. I was exhausted, but I just made it. I had to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and at the end of so the day, man. it doesn't matter that you missed that show. No. I mean, you think it feels like a big deal at the time. Yeah. It feels like, and it weighs heavy, Because right? it affects the rest of my guys in it the does. band, too. They and every, go to England. Yeah, you know, like. exactly. And then you're home, and then now you have these memories of being with your son. I mean, granted, there's memories on the road, too, but nothing like with family. Yeah. But they can't replace me. They can't replace me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? Any regrets, Eli? Um... It's weird, like, uh, just going through, your, like, you know, kind of like Uncle Rico, wish I could get a time machine, Uncle go back Rico. and love shit. it and shit. Like, but um, it, it's just kind of, I'm, I think I'm at that age where it's like, okay, like, all those, like, decisions I made sent me on this path and put me here in this place. So it's, I'm finally, like, going, totally. like, um, I, you know, if I would have done this different, then I wouldn't be like yeah. sitting here with you and like totally. be doing this or like, um, you know, I, I, you just learn so much from like your mistakes. So I'm finally 100%. like, I'm finally like gathering that, but then thinking like, oh, to go back in time and then I got to record all those albums again, like sit, <laughs> sit down and do that Dude. again. Like, hell no, no. exactly. <laughs> it's funny you say Uncle Rico. I have a quick Uncle Rico story for you guys. I was walking to my son's work on Fairfax and I'm walking by the Grove and I look to the right. And it's the actor, Uncle Rico, and yeah. this busted-ass Bronco with some girl. And I just look for a second. I realize I look at him. I go like this. Like, I'm going to throw him a football. I go, yes. football. And he goes, 
It was just this one moment. I just kept walking. But I was like, holy fuck, that was Uncle Rico. Yeah, that's cool. Because he was just in that big movie, uh, the, the White Lotus, that TV oh. show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's a great show. Sorry, blow it up. Uncle yeah. Rico. Um, what, about some, what about, Brad, what about some daily rituals you have? Um, Stretch. Okay. Dude, I got it now. Nice. Yeah, got to stretch. I need to stretch more fuck. in the morning. I mean, yeah. the yoga thing is It's real. It it is. It's real. And it's like Charles Barkley says, "Man, yoga's just stretching." Like <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. Dude, he's awesome. I love Charles Barkley cuz he just call, calls it like he sees it, but uh I got to stretch in the morning. Damn. And me and Kevin before we go on stage, we stretch the lower back and try and get the It's the hamstrings and it's the IT yeah, You bands. still go off, dude. You go off. Try you, to. You've dude, always went off. My uh my jump isn't as high as it used to be. That's all right, bro. You you know, 50 kind of weighs heavy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, st- I got to stretch in the morning, walk the dogs, um, and then get to the daily tasks. But like, I love getting up and stretching. It makes me feel good. It gets the heart going. Yeah. Gets, yeah. Are you a coffee in the morning guy? No. Okay. No coffee. I do tea sometimes, but my, uh, anything. yeah, my family's uh, Mormon, so we never had coffee in the house. What? Yeah. So we ne- never had coffee. Coffee and tea, that just wasn't, it's not part of the c- culture. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's just interesting. So more like straight edge kind of. Um, <laughs> on coffee and tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was. I didn't know that was a thing. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like it's like a drug, right? It like changes. It is your a state. drug, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm yeah. having problems with this coffee shit. What Dude, about you? Eli? So on the coffee shit, I am very addicted. Um, yeah. And you work out. I can tell you work out. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, can tell. I see your arms. Yeah. No. I was, yeah. I got a pump before I came in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, I I try to like. Um, Cause I, you know, I've been getting into like the whole like stoic, um, just, it's not a religion. It's just that like a mindset kind of thing. But like one of those things is just like, you know, I guess it's like a military thing too. Like make your bed no matter what, dude, which I didn't do for years, but it is a thing. Like you come home no matter how shitty the day is. I'm like, oh my facts. Yeah. So I, I, without fail, like always make my bed. And so, um, I've been trying to get on the like meditation, um, thing, which it's like, I'm I'm still like thinking maybe it's a placebo effect. I'm like, but mm-hmm. I feel like I am calmer and I try to do jur- journaling. That's cool. Um, and stuff like that. And um, I actually uh, started doing these like speech um, warm ups from like Melissa Cross. That's my homie. Got, which I saw. Zen. I saw you in Yo, the video, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Her name <laughs> yeah. keeps coming up in this podcast. Yeah, she's cool, man. Dude, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. You're doing that, man. I gotta call a texture after this. Yeah, she changed my life, dude. Yeah, that's the one no. thing the major label did for me. They paid for lessons with her. I didn't know who the hell she was back yeah. then. And then, yeah, and then I have that DVD. <laughs> yeah, Screaming in Zen. Yeah. Um, Holy shit, that's dope. So, yeah, I'm trying to do, and, and I, it's working, like, a lot. And then especially with, like, the acting stuff for just, like, speaking. Yeah. Like, throughout the day. So, like, I try to do that. And then I have these little, like, mind, like, you know, little games so I don't, you know, get alzheimer's when i'm older you yeah, know yeah. something like that you're so. younger than us though right yeah yeah okay. um and then i try i try to like get a workout in um yeah. before anything and it's weird because it's like i try to explain this to people where i feel weird taking a shower having not done anything or sweating like especially being Damn. like on the road like you know yeah just taking a shower like for the hell of it, it seems weird to me. So I like, I feel like I got to earn it and sweat That's a little it. bit. So I like that mentality. Yeah, I, man. I, then on our first tour, I didn't, I didn't do anything for 16 days then. Cause there was like a run, like 11, 16 days where it just, you know, like you said in those squats and stuff, there Brutal. just wasn't showers or you go look in the shower and you go, Nope. Yeah. Rather than oh, freaking, yeah. Or yeah. like baby white bath. Or yeah. Whatever. And there wasn't yeah, day exactly. rooms in back when hell we started no. like touring day, a day room with a shower. Now do you oh, take yeah. cold showers? 
Dude, I have messed with those. I'm about like, that life right now. I'm trying because yeah. I'm gonna get a cold plunge. I'm trying to get one of those. Wait, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I love the Wim Hof. Um, I don't know yeah. if you. Okay. Yeah, Wim Hof with the breathing and the cold showers. It's you the, do that. Yeah, right. it's cool. Well, I'm not gonna front. I do like the like you know a minute at the end of my shower. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm building. I'm timing myself actually so yeah. I can stay in the cold. So you do cold showers too? Yeah, I do cold showers and yeah, the Wim Hof breathing stuff. Wow. And, and he says that if you, I don't know if anybody's checked the Wim Hof method, but he says you can control your your whole body, yourself, your everything with with this breathing exercises and the and the cold therapy. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Your you immune that, system and everything. Yeah, that's cool because on on tour a lot of times the, there only is cold showers, especially yeah. if you do like a, a shared shower yes. backstage. They're gone. That's why I started first taking cold showers was in Europe because you had to. Yep. Right. But it's so good for you, man. Yeah, that's like I really want to nah. do that. And then it, it just feels like your um your clothes like fit feel better after the cold shower. Wow. Like when you put them on, you're like, oh man, I'm like, yep. I'm so ready to take on the day. Man. And making the bed too. That was a big thing that Derek uh, from Separatory is usually hanging out with me, but he's on tour right now. But mm. he's so about making his bed his whole life and how important that is. Yeah, it just teaches you something yep. growing up. You know right. what I mean? I, I really do it growing up. I did more in my adult life. Me no, too. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. It's like peeling it off at night, get into the blankets. Oh, yeah. It's so interesting how that's like a big deal. And it's yeah. just less clutter when you go in the room during the day. That's no, what no, I for like. for sure, Visu- for sure. Visually, for me, it's just the clutter. But totally, making it feel like you're a responsible adult, making your bed in the morning, and it's like... Yeah, it's like a ritual kind of, you know, and then same thing at night, you know? Yeah, because growing up, you had to make your bed, man. Most families like, yo, make your bed, keep your room clean. Yeah. That was the thing. I don't know if it happens anymore, but... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go look at my son's room right now. Right. Um, and then one of the questions I asked, so you guys are uh, pessimists or optimists, and I can tell both you guys are super posy. I'm big, big uh, glasses half full guy. Yeah. I have to I be. can tell. I can't do the negative thing, and I don't like to complain. Um, it's just I don't want to. I mean, I'm sure we all do. Yeah, we all we're complain, freaking humans. But I like just to keep the positive. There's always like a chance something can work out. There's a positive. You've always been like that. There's man. a possibility. Yeah. Let's let's pull it off. Let's make it happen. Like that's why you're still doing music. Yeah, it's because you love it and you live it and yep. you're passionate about it. And that was one of the biggest things. Like when it was like the looking for a new singer. It was like. I want to do this. We can still do this. You know, we can do this. It's, it's these people love these songs and people love this band. And it's like, we can, we can do this. And it's like, I don't know. That's just like, how yeah, I, you're the that's OG, how, man. That's how I'm wired. Yeah. yeah. I know. You're like the original. It's and then crazy. it's like, also, it's like, now we're getting older and it's like, this is just what we do. It, it is. It's man. not like just, it's, it's almost doesn't feel like a choice. There's no retirement yeah. plan. There's no, none of that stuff. This man. is just what we do. We're, we, we do this. We do music. We write songs. We play live shows. And it's like, and it's, it's an important part of my existence. I know. Even with all the struggles and all the, everything. And there's other stuff that I do. There's of other like, business ventures and yeah. like, things I'm in. I'm, involved in a restaurant in Orange County and nice. like all these fun things. But like, I just really connect with the, the music for and me. And the merchandise too, the mer- that t-shirt. Yep. What's it called? The perfect. The best blank ever. Yeah, yep. it's, it, it actually is. Did you yeah. like those shirts? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. So that's your thing you guys are still doing. Yeah, me and Lisk do that. Yeah, we do. We print. The best blank tea ever. Yeah, we print uh, merch like the ones we printed. Yeah, thank you. Different bands, Long Beach Dub Allstar, Strung Out. We do stuff. Cool. Went. Not a ton, a ton. Of, like It's not a, like a big giant merch company, but yeah, we f- we're filling orders all the time yeah stuff. it's awesome man um so you're you're optimist pessimist um i i think uh, i i'm naturally a pessimist um it, it's yeah it just kind of maybe something i kind of grew grew up on um you know that's probably something to unpack in a therapy session but <laughs> <laughs> or in your um, journal yeah in the journal there's a lot of that in there but yeah. um no, nah, it's actually like music is kind of what gets me out of that and actually totally. that's what drew me to hardcore was like 
because it it sounds like it would be really negative music, but there's always like that hope, like together we Great can message. overcome. And so like yes. that was something I that I always connected with, like you know specifically in hardcore. You know, yeah. You know, I love metal, but you know it's you know it's not always about the devil. You know, yeah, no, no, totally. <laughs> you know, um, and like dragons and shit, um, which I love. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like I think my um, my overall like connection to music is is kind of yeah. Times are gonna be tough, and then pulling yourself out of it, and then trying through it, yeah. yeah, and then just trying to see the beautiful things in life. So you're like then, a realist, more of a realist. Yeah, yeah, and then just like, but in that like when I I make like meet people and have relationships and like seeing like oh this is like a, a really rad moment right here and just being like present yeah with that and you know as opposed to dude, like yeah it's hard being present sometimes with it is all, man with what we got in our phone and like dude because like it's, it's it's an extension of what we think our mind is and like we always got to be connected to it and like i love putting my phone down and talking yeah dude. and talking to people and that's like we, we did this tour with face to face in south america and it's a bunch of older dudes and it was really cool backstage we were Everybody's talking talking to each other it was really Damn, cool what is that i know it was cool great guys great band and oh yeah for sure it was just fun uh just being in like that shuttle going to the show and everybody talking telling stories or whatever yeah. yeah exactly steve jobs wanted to uh create the extension of the human body and he pretty much did it he did it's scary seriously man. yeah it's really scary like Especially we are kids growing up in it and all that and just like trying to manage do you ever that. you get that weekly report and it shows how many times you've picked up your phone bro. it's oh, gross man. it's horrifying it's man. gross <laughs> and that, so bad. like and we're that, 50 bro so what and i know doing? people do a lot of business through their phone <laughs> me and, too i and, make and yeah. everything through it and it's just like but when you look at that and it's like over eight nine hours it says sometimes on your phone like I know, and dude. then the pickups are like in the hundreds you're just like oh wow do you check your dms you do check all you run all the socials yeah okay yep through the uh yeah and it's all through your phone yes yeah, so you're answering all like you do that keep in contact with everybody and you're on it and checking things yeah. and yeah what about what about comments do you, do you care about negative comments and stuff like that bother you uh, it is. I mean, it's so crazy. Like we, you used to never get feedback. It never. was so hard to get feedback. Now all you get is feedback. And all you get <laughs> is feedback. Like you get too much feedback. But I know man. you got to be just kind of like you got to have some thick skin. Otherwise, totally. Otherwise, stay away from it. Totally. Because it'll, yeah. dude. It kills people. Like it, literally, it ki- does. kills dude. people. It does, man. The, the negative stuff. And people don't care. They're just writing and whatever they feel. And I, I watch. I like. I pay attention to a lot of golf and a lot of sports and music. And dude, people are brutal too. Everybody out there in every genre and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Everybody's a uh, critic. Everybody has an opinion. Yeah, even though yeah, it's great. It's so. So I don't. I mean, it's interesting um, to go through and sift through it and kind of because I'm always curious what the feedback is, especially having a new singer now and seeing what people think. So everything I saw is positive. It has been so positive. We've been so grateful that people are like rallying around us, and I think people really love Ignite. And I just think that like they're stoked that we're like doing the band still. It's incredible. Dude. Yeah, and it's fun. It's it's another chapter. There's been a lot of chapters in Ignite. You know, there yeah, was for sure. The Joe Nelson and then Randy Johnson and Zoli was in it for a long time, and then other the guitar player and Craig, our drummer, came in. He's been in the band since '97. So there's been definitely different chapters, and it's like for me, it's just and you never given up on Ignite. It's no, you never have. I don't, yeah, it's just why, why you know. I love that. Like man. Vinny, if dude, I was telling away this, <laughs> dude, I was 25 and Vinny Stigma was out with Madball in 96 and he was 40 and I thought there's no way I'm going to be doing music. Damn. There's no way I'm going to be doing music by the time I'm 40. <laughs> I just thought it was crazy because it was I just know. like I thought it was just something that I was going to do kind of during my younger years and then move on. But dude, Vinny's 66 and he's killing it. Looks, Love him. He looks, looks amazing, yeah. dude. And the dude's from Fear the other night, or when we saw him play. Yeah. They're older He looks than, great, though. I mean, he yeah. sounds good, though. Dude, it's cool. So I, what do you think keeps you going as the, the original member of Ignite to make this 
keep this moving. I just think that that the whole experience of um, writing that song, um, recording it, and then that year later when it comes out, and then you go to Brussels, Belgium, or you go to Singapore, and there's kids singing that song it's back to you dude. that you wrote in your bedroom. You can't touch that. Yeah, that's like something special that like nobody gets to do. Yeah, and then yeah. and then then you start having a little bit more success, and then like, I mean, I think of the bands that are like those two tiers above us that are like, dude, that like have like two thousand people at their shows, four thousand people at their shows, you know. Still, and it's crazy just that those to be able to do music, and I, I'm grateful at our level that we're doing yeah. it. But it's I don't know, just looking at how you connect with people and the feedback you get from writing a song and how it moves somebody's life. It's, no, it's amazing. It's, it's it's like you really can't explain it unless you've done it, yeah, or lived it, or yeah. like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's great that you're still doing it, man. It's fun. And you're looking good. You're aging really well. Thank you, brother. Looking good, man. Oh, man. We're all, we're wearing our glasses. And yeah, <laughs> I got my I got glasses on the brim of my nose and um, a bunch of wrinkles. So I'm excited for you guys. It's gonna be cool, man. I'm psyched to see you live, play, perform with them. Awesome. Thanks. He's like Eli's like I can't wait to get in a band with you guys and do a 13 hour drive to go play a small venue in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. So that's a, that's I'm a down. Energy, that younger energy though it is it is it, it's cool. it brings you to like we like we you guys are like reborn dude. I, yeah i do and that doesn't bother it's me that stuff's man. never bothered me i love going i'm out happy for you dude thanks brother i'm happy for, i'm stoked for you too man there's a whole, you, whole different chapter of your life you know like yeah anything yeah. any other any songs you want to specifically talk about i know you have your notes you're, you're very professional. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, these guys wrote the most of the lyrics on this one. So okay, okay. When, when I get on yeah. a podcast where they're, so tell me the meaning of this song. And yeah, I'm just like, all yeah. right, let me pull this up. Me, That's yeah. cool, though, yeah. man. Yeah, shout out to Nick. He, he like, he took a lot of the um, brunt. The load. Yeah. The workload. Yeah. Um, like, just vocally and just melodies yeah. and, sh and shit like that. So, like, yeah. The song that's coming out... Uh, Friday, Butcher and Me is cool. I, I love the message. It's my probably my favorite message on the record, and it's super relevant. It's cutting out the butcher, uh, cutting out toxic elements in your life. Love it. Dude, because for mental Chopping health, the negative, yeah, negative fat off. Yeah, get rid of that, that negative stuff out of your life. You know, that's the, to be, you got to be happy. Dude, we're not here very long. Hell no. You know, we're 50. How much, you, what do we got, like... <laughs> 30 years, 35 years no, before even, they're pushing I, us around. I haven't been thinking about it, man. No, it's I did, getting I morbid, did But it's like, I lived out, yeah. I feel young, but I know I'm, I'm about to be yeah. 52. But. I mean, we started this band in 93, so that's, you know, almost 30 years. So you got to go, okay, from the when I started the band till now, I probably got one more of those. And then we're getting like in the later years of our life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, then you see Keith Morris killing it in dude, the 60s. Yep. And same like the guys in fear. They're yeah, old. Dude. And I respect that. I think it's cool. I like seeing that. It's inspirational. As long as you can do it, man. Yeah. 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 So that song, Butcher and Me, is cool. I, I just think everybody should be do get rid of, out of their life whatever isn't mentally making them their mental health right. Yeah. And I like that we're able to talk about mental health now without it being taboo. 100%, yeah. man. NBA basketball players talking about, it. I got to take game off mental health and stuff. And everybody, it, it was always man. looked as weakness. And now it's just like, no, it's like part of who we all are and especially the past two years it's it's, it's the percentages are insane with everything with that yep with suicide depression mental health it's no joke man. no i, I agree so it's, I, it's crazy being happy mental state of mind is so and important. so you surround like like chopping the fat off your life all the negative people you surround yourself with like it's not it's not it's not the quality it's a quantity of friends you don't need a lot of friends in this life you right. know ones that like inspire you and pull you up and it's super important man totally yeah and it's crazy for children who are growing up now with the internet and used to get bullied at school and now you're down there bullied at home. Yeah. Get bullied on the phones 24 It's really scary yeah. and sad, man. It is. It's a Seriously. different world, man. Yeah. It's hard, man. Yeah. Got to unplug from some of that stuff and like, yeah, try and 
detach from some of that stuff if you can. It's it's amazing we get to grow up without it. We get to like be outside doing things different. I, I feel I feel lucky, man. Yeah, like it's, it's I can't imagine like you know just like we're talking about like with the comments, like dealing with this like when you're in high school. Like Bro. I can't even. It's, such, it's so important. It is. All it's that, your, it's it, everything. Accepted and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we're kind of like the, we don't give a fuck. I about. didn't get my first cell phone till '99, so we had been doing the band six years, and wow, yeah, there was no internet really. I didn't get my first computer till like probably 2000, 2001. Holy shit! So it was awesome. like yeah. So the you know you remember the old days of Thomas Guide, Rand McNally maps in the book, all and, that, and the man. maps trying to pull into a city and yeah. find a show, and like you can't call pay phone or yeah, the phone. Remember the phone, the dialers. Yes, the, I was too from Radio Shack. Yeah, the fake dialers because <laughs> it was too expensive to three dollars for every call. Yeah, so it was just a, it was a different era, you know. Yeah, but remember, it's, it's cool that we saw that we seen both. Totally, yeah. I remember operating the phone, going, uh, "Sir, uh, it helps you put real coins, real coins in there." I got so scared. They got, and you think the cops were coming? That's yeah, yeah, the cops yeah, were watching the payphone. Like, yeah. That was such an ill touring device, dude. Or making long distance phone calls from the offices at MAD, and then then like and then Monday they hit me up, hey, who used the, who's the phone at this venue? I was getting in trouble for long distance phone bills. It, it was so expensive. Oh, calling America. It was so expensive. Venues, yeah, or at a hotel when they you check out and they hand you your phone bill, bro, and you're like, oh, and you have like six dudes in the room who used the phone. A hundred yeah. Deutschmarks for like these <laughs> calls, <Deutschmarks>. right? <laughs> Back in the day, it was expensive. Fuck, man. Yep. What a crazy world we live in, dude. Totally. I'm excited for you guys though. So. Uh, you can look out for your dates. Ignite is uh, Instagram. Ignite, right? Yep. Mm. Ignite Band at Ignite Band on Instagram. And yep. are you are you personally on Instagram? Yeah, my with, with your IG. It's uh, Alien Satan. Jesus, all right. It's <laughs> a, yeah, the real deal. And you're in there too, solo. Y- yeah, I have a Brett Rass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. To the, so the whole record comes out Friday. Yep. You can get three songs right now on Spotify or whatever, right? Yep. Those ones I listened to earlier, and uh, yeah, I love that it's self-titled, man. I think that's really it's powerful. Thanks. Like this, this, this ignite. This is us. Yep. This is who we are. And it's crazy. You never even had a self-titled record. No. Even yeah. more crazy that I have one more. I have uh, seven records out, and you're about to have the same amount as H two O twenty six. I know. <laughs> Let's get to work. I don't feel bad when I have Scott Vogel on here. The sick of it all, guys. I'm like, damn, bro, mad records you guys yeah, put out. I know. And that's one I thing. Feel like we, a fucking loser. One thing we wanted yeah. differently. Like it'd be great because, dude, it's so fun writing songs and recording and everything. Um, like we want to do. We want to write the next record in a like. A shorter time frame, yeah. In between, and you guys listening to new music, by the way, new Harker bands. You guys pay attention to that. I do. Um, do you have somebody love, listening to loving the new comeback kid? I just ooh, I gotta hear that. Yeah, I just yeah. think they're a great band in general. I had man. him on the pod. Yeah. He's super sweet. Yeah, man. right. Awesome guys. I mean, of course, dude, that new turnstile. Woo! Bad. Let's go. Let's dude, all I talk I, about I, it. Dude, I was like, yes. It was funny. We were working on the record, and then that EP came out, and I was like texting Nick. I'm like, dude, you into that into turnstile? He's like, hell yeah! And then Bro. it just. I'm I'm so stoked for where they're at, man. Me too, dude. It's it's a great record. I fucking love them. I was trying to explain this to uh, Gabe from Midtown yesterday. Like I went and saw them outside. You might have been at the Garden Grove. I was out of town, but okay. I saw. And then I just saw them at sold out two nights at the Nova, twenty five hundred people a night. And just watching them, just like this is so beautiful. Like the diverse group of kids, ages, yep, skaters, mm-hmm. kids in the hip hop. It's like it's everything that I grew up loving. Yeah, you know, and and I love the fact that they can make the that record. Um, the glow is glow. Yeah, glow on. Yeah, glow on. Yeah, yeah. glow on record. Oh, I fucked up. And then Angel Dust too, where they can have like these different influences coming in. Totally. Yeah, Angel. It, yeah, Angel it's Dust. Beautiful, is totally different. It's, they're just doing what they want to do and believing in it. I know. It's cool. And they kill it live. They're great kids. They they sound awesome. But like, 
I was watching them in LA and then on the side of the stage is a singer from 311 like singing all the words on stage rocking out with them oh, like, no and they love that dude like he's they're fans of that band I love that they love all types of music and they just put in that music that comes out totally it's beautiful dude. yeah some mm-hmm. of the vocal parts are a little 311 dude, totally to me I, which I think is cool yeah. but, but, but you know what's back in the day it's just hardcore 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 yes. if you like if we cover a Madonna song that's some obscure thing we did in the record but or if we're listening to hip hop like you can't have that in your music you have to just be hardcore you know what I'm saying like and bands like them and Angel Dust, they put everything in that song. Angel Dust and Justice comes out with acoustic guitar. He's singing all these poppy, amazing songs. First half of the set. Yep. Second half, he takes it off, and they do the hardcore Angel Dust songs. And people start going crazy diving. That's fun. And to be able to split the setup like that, and nobody gives a fuck. No. And they're yeah. singing poppy, and then they're moshing. I love that, man. I think, yeah. I think listeners are a little bit more open-minded, open-minded yeah. now. Yeah. For when we work, for yeah. us, yeah. Yeah, because it was like you go home, and you get your 12-inch. That's all you listen to. Now people have every song in the history of music coming through their phone. I know. And they're like, oh, that's cool. I like this Johnny Cash song and this Slayer song. And this. it's just like that wasn't us when we were kids. And then my son taking me to see Travis Scott, and there's like four mosh pits at the yeah. forum, and I'm like, yeah. what the hell? People would dive. I'm like, this is crazy. And now Turnstiles playing Coachella the same night as Billie Eilish. Yeah, it's mm. fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna right. be out there for that. It's gonna be yeah, awesome. I'm gonna try to go. I've never been to one. I really want to go. It's so good. Yeah, I want to go to that. It looks, yeah, it looks awesome, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see Billie Eilish. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. To the yeah. Bronx too. The Bronx. New Bronx are dope. Yeah. Yes. Matt's yes. amazing great, too. Great band. Yeah, I'm fucking. I, I, there's a lot of great things happening in music and the scene. And when I watched Turnstile, I was, Fletcher was there and Doug Carrion yep. was there. And I was just thinking, looking as like an older guy, like, man, if I never played music again, it's in great hands. Like, this scene is in such great hands it of is. these kids. Yep. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, absolutely. But working hard. Yeah, man. All right, guys. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. This is up. fucking awesome. Yep. Um, everybody look out for the new record, March 25th, Ignite, self titled. How many songs are on there? 10. 10 songs okay yep stoked yeah thanks for being here yeah thanks, thanks for having anything else us, you want to say a plug or anything you want to say or no just go get the record check it out yeah a lot of hard work yeah awesome all right bye guys thank you bye. later thank you. yo people always ask me what kind of frames i'm rocking i've been rocking caddis for a couple years they make amazing progressive readers which i wear also they make sunglass readers anti-glare anti-smudge coating anti-scratch and anti-aging that's why i look mad young when i wear them i'm just kidding um but they make amazing frames cat is so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast you can go to caddislife.com slash toby 10 and get ten dollars off your first purchase stoked thank you caddis welcome to the fam yo yo liquid death thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends love your water love your brand love what you stand for love what you give back to the community If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives.